Hi, I'm Patrick John Fluger, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride Hey, Shy Hearts, welcome to episode 130 of Meet Us at Molly's. Today we're going to go through episodes 12. So, this is 512, 812, and 712. Sorry for the delay on this one, Shy Hearts. We had some audio issues on our first go at recording. So, we thought we would redo it and bring you a version with, you know, comprehensible audio. Not a big deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's a podcast. Who needs to hear us? Psh whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but it all worked out in our favor, actually, because at the end of this episode, surprise, we've got an interview with Nick Gelfis. So it all worked out. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, can't get any better than that. No, really can't. So we're going to start with the news. And there's not nearly as much as there was last week, thank God, because last week we had just like miles and miles of news. And this week, it's not so bad. Yeah, it about killed me, but we made it. We survived. We made it. We survived. Yes. So first bit of news comes to us from TV Guide. And like, this is actually kind of important, I would say, right? I mean, yes. It's also a little clickbaity at the same time, because I feel like they only asked because they knew people would talk about it. Right. But it's it's important, but like, it doesn't actually matter in the end. No, it doesn't. But it's from TV Guide. Would we expect, would we expect anything less than clickbait? No. Right. So TV Guide interviewed Monica Raymond at the TCAs, not last week, but the week before. Yeah, yeah, at this point, I think so. It's everything is blurring together, okay? Like we were just talking about award season and how we're like, I some some sort of award is going down today, and then like next week's the Super Bowl, and then who knows this? Like, yeah, everything's blurring together. Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. My coworker the other day, she like she looked at me like I went into her office and I was like, "What's up?" And she's like, "It is January seventy fourth. And I was like, "No, actually, you're completely right. It is, like this month has been going I, on forever." I know, and I feel like I mean, you and I both kind of can relate because like we both have vacations that were going on in February, and I think it's just like at this point anticipating that, but like it feels so long. But it's I don't know. I'm like losing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> what day is it? Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. So. TV Guide interviewed Monica Raymond at TCA's, and the headline here is Chicago Fire alum Monica Raymond has thoughts about that potential Casey and Brett romance, a.k.a. Monica has spoken. Monica has spoken. So she started off with her response being kind of like, she was joking about it. So she just goes, oh, it breaks my heart. The Brett and Casey post-Dawson relationship, I don't even know how to begin. What a conflict. But then she got more serious, and she goes, I think that they're grown people, they're adults. Gabby Dawson left the relationship, and Casey has every right to see who he wants. I'm going to say that one more time for the people in the back. Casey has every right to see who he wants. Monica has spoken. Amen. 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 Yes. Yes. Even Monica agrees that Gabby up and left, and so, you know, Casey can move on with his life. Monica has spoken. Yeah, I mean, I'm, we've gone into this many, many a time, and I think the situation was different. I would probably feel different about this whole thing, but Gabby left, and it was Monica's choice to leave the show, which is fine, and everyone respects that decision, but Gabby left, and so 
case. He does have every right to see who he wants. The end. Boom. Mic drop. Done. Boom. And also, this isn't the type of thing. You can't grab a time machine, go back, and redo that season finale. It is canon. It happened. It's canon. There's no redoing it. It is what it is. It sucks. Yes. Right. Brian, I know you're still reeling over Justin Chambers exiting Grays the way he has. Yeah. Or not has. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, these things yeah. happen. It sucks. It's totally shitty, but it happens. And the only thing we can do is just accept it and move on. Right. So right. we are, this is the situation we are dealing with. This is what we're getting. So. Right. Yeah. You have every right to feel how you feel, but. Yeah. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yes. Just, you know, choose kindness, but this is what it is. Yes. The cannon has fired. <laughs> That's probably not my first bad metaphor of the night. So just wait. <laughs> no. So elsewhere, we've got episode descriptions for episodes 13. So these are the episodes that will air next week on February 5th, right? February 5th? Yes. Okay. There we go. I cannot believe it's already going to be February. What? I know. I feel like the new year just happened. What? What is time? What is going on? So, Brandon, will you take us through Med, please? Yes. So Med 513 is called Pain is for the Living, and the description reads, Two brothers in critical condition are rushed into the hospital by their parents, leaving Dr. Choi, April, and Dr. Charles to tend to their care and left to piece together what actually transpired. Dr. Manning becomes suspicious of a new mother entering the ED, and Dr. Halstead's tireless activities at the safe injection site start to take a toll on his work. So, really, this is just Wednesday. Same story, different day. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sounds cool. Yep. The Natalie becoming suspicious of a new mother are, like, really? (laughs) It's the only one where I actually read it and I, like, was trying not to snicker. I mean... There's (laughs) There's <laughs> there's doing the same stuff each week and then there's just literally like recycling and doing the same thing. Isn't the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over expecting a different result? Like that's what we're getting to with Dr. Manning every single week. Isn't it getting a little tiresome? Yeah, I mean, I'll give it the benefit of doubt until I actually like see the storyline, right? Cuz like these descriptions we know can be like hit or miss in terms of how they actually are reflected in the episodes. So it could just be the description reading terribly, and, like, I'll give it a sec. I'll give the episode a chance, of course. But, yeah, if this is what it actually is, it's gonna, um, yeah. I love your optimism, because we're talking about the same character who locked herself in a room with a child patient. Okay, but, like, we know this to be true. The shows themselves don't actually write these descriptions. NBCPR does. You are correct. So, like, I think we have to actually give the episode a chance and like it could not it could be that this description does not accurately reflect the episode but i'm saying if it is if it does accurately reflect the episode then there's definitely some issues that's true that's true that is true so so chicago fire 813 is entitled a chicago welcome the surprising arrival of a new fire truck brings both joy and chaos to members of firehouse 51 Bowden and Severide are asked to make peace with an old foe for the greater good. Brett receives family news while Foster plans a party with friends. So the old foe returning for the greater good 
we've deduced is probably Gorsh. I think so, because I think I remember Derek saying he comes back, right? I mean, there were pictures of him on set. Right. So this has to be it, I would assume. But also, isn't episode 13 the one that they were filming a funeral scene for? I don't know. And, like, the only thing that – the only reason I question it being Gorsh is because Gorsh had more of a beef with Bowden and Casey, not necessarily Severide. Right. Yeah, Severide's beef was with Grissom, which I guess they're all related because Grissom gave them Gorsh, but still. We all have beef with Grissom. <laughs> right. I don't know if I've ever seen Gary Cole play a nice character. Um, his character on Mixed-ish, is, Mixed-ish isn't necessarily bad, but he's definitely like... Because he's like the father of uh, Mark Paul Gossler's character. And so it's set in the 70s, 80s, the 80s. And so he just says some like offensive things. But that's also just because he's trying to reflect the like, you know, old white dude in that lived in the 80s. So like, he, but he's not a bad guy. Right. Okay. Hmm. He means well. So. The other thing notable about that funeral scene is that nobody was in blues. So... If Gorsh were to die or Grissom were to die, everybody would be in blues. So we're getting two funerals in, like, the span of two, three episodes? Because we're going to have the funeral, there's their church scene, the funeral scene in the crossover. So we're presuming Roman's sister dies. That's, Remember, yeah. there was yeah. Roman in the church, so, like, what else could that be? Yeah, I don't know. So we're getting two funerals? You know, they love to keep it happy on in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently. So, yeah. Um, also, in Derek's Q&A on Sunday, he basically gave a rundown of what's next for everybody, like, via emoji. And I think the one for Brett and Casey was a cat. Yeah. I saw that. Didn't they say, wasn't there an article, though, about them, like, saving a cat from a tree or something like that? Oh, God. I think, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah, so I, I guess they're literally doing the cl- cliche fire thing and saving a cat from a tree. I guess that's better than the time that Casey caught the baby from the roof like a football, so I can't really complain. <laughs> I'll just never forget, this is not Chicago Fire related, but over on Station 19, right. and Ryan catches the baby and I just texted you, Ryan caught that baby, holy shit. Probably one of my favorite texts from you because it was completely out of the blue. <laughs> Brian caught that baby. Yes, he did, Brian. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll swear with PD. Brian, will you take us through that? Yes. So PD 713 is titled I Was Here. And it just says after receiving a distressing 911 call, Burgess enlists the team's help to track down a girl caught up in a sex trafficking ring. This makes me a little nervous yeah that promo was not fun to watch it wasn't I worry that she's gonna go full J but also when I talked to Marina which is you know episode something or other like way back when episode four or five aired she did say that 13 was a big baby episode yeah she did a little scared yeah but also she looks amazing in the promo photos yeah, she does. Not I'm relevant, very excited. Like, I mean, I'm excited, but I'm also scared. 
Yeah, I'm 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 the one with Adam off in the corner being like, "Are you sure about this? Like, maybe we shouldn't do this." Yeah. Like, at all costs, you know. Thanks. So the last bit of news we have is from TV Insider. And this is a PD story. Tracy Spridakos basically spoke to TV Insider about Haley recognizing her feelings for Jay. Upstead's going to rise. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. So good. So Tracy said the injury opened what her feelings for Jay are. She's not struggling with it as much anymore as she was. Him being injured and almost losing him got her to a place where she recognized how she feels about him. Don't know what's going to happen with that going forward. I don't know if that's a thing she's going to hold on with her or that's if that's going to be explored. Um, it had better be explored. Yeah. I hope so. I'm just at the point with these two that I was when Alan and Alexis were paired together on Dancing with the Stars, where I'm just like looking at the screen and I'm like, just kiss. Just kiss. See if there's something there. Just kiss and get it out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, at this point, I'm just ready for it. I will say I'm curious to see how what Haley just did that we're going to talk about later, what she just did this week, is going to affect them moving forward, if it affects them moving forward, and, like, the whole how it will affect Jay, like, when Jay finds out. I don't know. We'll see, but. Yeah. Yeah, Haley went. So. Ha- Haley's got a dark side. Yeah, we'll get there. We will get there, yes. So. That's about all we've got on the news. As always, if you see anything, send it to us however you want to get it to us. You know, email, DM, text, paper, airplane, whatever. You know the drill. And you guys are so good about that, too. It's probably the reason why we had, you know, two full pages of news last week. Yep. All right. Without further ado, it is time to move into the episodes. Are we ready? Yes. Let's do it. Let's go. Okay. So first up is Chicago Med. And we are going to start with our favorite redhead, Will. Oh, Will. So we start this episode off, and he hasn't slept. So we're just off to, like, a great, amazing start. Just sleep-deprived Will is just such a recipe for, like, perfection, right? Exactly. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? You know, whatever. So Will is about to leave to go to med when a patient ODs and collapses right in front of him. And surprise, y'all, Hannah's here. It's about time. It is about time. But I also like how last week's episode, we were like, where's Hannah? Where's Hannah? Is she going to pop up now? No, she's going to pop up now. And right when our guard is down is when Hannah is just like, hello, I'm here. Yeah. But I mean, like, if she's going to be a recurring character, like, it, they needed time to, like, set her up. So I feel like she had to show up sooner rather than later. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I'm sure that the powers that be are not happy that we already know her name because she basically, she introduces herself to Will under a different name, but we all know we're like, no, you're Hannah and you're a doctor at med. We know, we know. So yeah, sorry, but she's here. Um, and so Will saves the day because Will, um, and that's about that, but she's finally here. Finally. So Mm -hmm. another patient comes in and he presents with what looks to be endocarditis, um, which uh, I'm at the point now where I watch so many first responder shows and so many medical shows that like, I know what all of these things are. So I know it makes me laugh really hard because, um, 911 Lone Star just had their premiere last week, two weeks ago. I finally got around to watching the pilot 
And one of the calls comes in and this guy is just like, help, my apartment smells like rotten eggs. And immediately I'm like, natural gas, get out of there. Like, it's bad. <laughs> it's really bad that I can like diagnose all these things. And so endocarditis. I love, I love it. Yeah. Endocarditis is like fluid around your heart. And I know that because of all the medical shows I watch. It's so bad. Like, I don't know if I should be proud of that or like ashamed or like find another hobby. Maybe instead of law school, you should have gone to medical school. Um, that's like double the debt. So no, thank you. Yeah, I know. And 10 times longer. Uh, yeah. And I, I would also probably still be in school, which like, no, thank you. Yeah, I know. No, thanks. but yeah. Yeah. So Will talks this patient into going to med because, you know, Will's getting to that point now. You can see that Will like is putting the blinders up in terms of, you know, he messed up. He is so hell bent on fixing this now that he convinces the guy to go to med. So Dr. Latham, hey, so glad he's still around. He won't perform the valve replacement because this guy has already had two and he's destroyed them both, which I get that. Like, yeah, that's fair. But also like, man, that sucks that like if you if you make a mistake and, you know, that's that that like you can't have it. You can't have nice things after that because you fucked up. Yeah, well, and I'm sure in destroying the valves he's also destroyed more of his heart i don't actually know how medicine works but like i would assume so so i'd assume that like every time he destroys one his heart grows weaker and like is less likely to hold the valve replacement and like accept it i don't know what the right word is but you know what i'm trying to say i do i do um but yes so like i also assume that like he's doing it to himself and like medically Dr. Latham is just, like, not okay with it, not just, like, judging the guy for everything he's done. Although I'm sure there's a little bit of that, too. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in a way that's – because, I mean, that's not just the Dr. Latham thing. I think that's, you know, the medical profession-wide is that, you know, if you if if you do something to deliberately compromise this transplanted organ, that they're not going to give you another one, no right. matter what kind of change right. of heart you have, which is just right. – it's just a, I mean, it's, it's a sobering thing when you hear about it, because I mean, th- these are people's lives you're messing with. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. So Will has himself convinced that this guy's addiction is headed in the right direction and he pushes to reconsider. And this is Will just going full Will and putting those blinders up because Will is only seeing what he wants to see in this instance. Yeah, I mean, I think his I want to save everybody complex, like, I think it's a blessing and a curse. I feel like for any other character, I would agree with that. But I think for Will, it's dangerous. Right, but it's also a blessing in the fact that, like, I mean, yeah, I see that it's more dangerous, I think, than not when it comes to Will. I think it really is more dangerous than not when it comes to everybody in med. Because, like, you could say the, say, say the same thing for Natalie. That, like, her wanting to save everybody and, like, fight for them, it's a blessing and a curse. But it tends to hurt her more than it does help her. Yeah. And I guess that just kind of depends on the outcome chosen. Because we we always, we would always see Connor do this where he'd put up the blinders and, you know, have that I want to save everybody complex. But it always worked out for him. And so in that instance, we would always be like, that's such a blessing. But with Will, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot. Right. Yeah. But I just, and, and Will is just, Will is Will, okay? So, I mean, he, 
he feels things. So like if he has a bad outcome, he's really going to internalize that. And so, which is what happened, which is what's happening. This is it, which is exactly what got us into this situation. So could it be that instead of the circle of Severide, we've now got the circle of Will Halstead? What, what, just when it comes to his medical decisions that like he fights, something happens, he falls into a depression, he gets out of it, but then something else happens. So he falls into a part like that. Yes. Yeah. The circle Probably. Oh, well. Because now it's happened, what, three times? So there's been three different instances you could say that, like, really affected it? The the DNR in season one. Right. What's the second one? I mean, I guess it's tied into all of the mob, whatever, that stuff from last season. Oh, well. Oh, well. It was, like, a slightly <sighs> different situation, but, like, similar I mean, that put him into, like, a hole, I guess. I mean, that definitely put him into a hole because, you know, he, like, he wanted the wedding venue. He got involved with bad people. He only saw what he wanted to see, and then it cost him his marriage. Right. It's just a different circle. It's not necessarily medical. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So Dr. Charles consults with this patient, and Dr. Charles is like, yeah, well, it doesn't really seem like this guy wants to get clean. And... Will then goes back to talk to the patient and the patient just says, he's like, whatever it takes, I don't want to live like this anymore. And Will then kind of lashes out at Dr. Charles and he's just like, do you see what you're doing here? Do you see what you're saying no to? So Will then goes so far as to bring Dr. Charles's little brother into the discussion. And like, I see what he was going for and I don't think he intended any disrespect, but he overstepped big time. Yeah. You also forgot the part where Will pretends to give the guy, well, he gives the guy medicine, but, like, signs off Dr. Charles's name on it or whatever. Oh, yeah. And, like, that whole part. And Latham comes in and he's like, oh, Dr. Charles signed off on it. And Will's like, yeah, I actually did it. But, like, Dr. Charles gave me the go-ahead. He just got too busy or whatever. And I was just like, Will, no. Like, no, 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 no. It just shows that he does not know how to scheme or like pull mischief at all because he's so he was not even covert about it. He just was like, screw that. I'm gonna just make this decision and like not do anything to cover my tracks. Right. It was. Yeah. Not good. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad. Dr. Charles essentially just rips Will a new one. I mean, in a Dr. Charles way, right? Like Dr. Charles doesn't like scream or like throw things or anything, but he's just like, you have a lot of nerve bringing my brother into this. Right. So I also did get a big laugh out of the part where Dr. Charles was like, it's a legal buddy. And I was like, when has that ever stopped Will in his life ever? When like, that's like Med's motto. The more illegal, the better. Right, right. I feel like illegal is probably Will's favorite word. Right. That is everyone at Med's favorite word. It's like Chicago Med, where illegal is better. (laughs) Chicago Med, you could lose your license. We need to make that a t-shirt. We really do. We really do. I know. Um, but yeah, like uh, you know how some people have like their favorite swear word to say? Like, I think legal, I think the word legal might be Will's favorite. Like, that's like his bad word. Probably. Yeah. Oh, that's legal? We can't do that. Or maybe as a child, like, he just messed up the definitions of legal versus illegal. And like, he's just run with that his entire life. Which is ironic because his brother is a cop. Very true. Very, very true. Uh, 
So Will finally, Will and Dr. Charles, you know, they come to an agreement because, you know, of course they do. And Dr. Charles just says, he's like, it's a long road, Will, like no shortcuts, none. And I think he gets through to him a little bit. Right. I mean, I think, yeah, because I think it's more even like life advice too, rather than just this patient. Like you could apply that to just the whole part of a safe injection site and like the proper channels in order to like set it up. Like it has to be done right. And like you can't just take a shortcut to set one up because people need it. Yeah. And, and I, mean, so I think a, it just applies to yeah. more everything. But yeah. yeah. And, and Will advocating for the valve replacement would essentially just be giving this guy a shortcut. Yeah. Yeah. So... Will then goes to quit the safe injection site. So this this shows so much personal growth for him. It does, but he then screws it all up by not quitting. That is true. So, like, how much personal growth can there actually be if he doesn't actually follow through? But also, like, how relatable is that, that cookies are what sucks him back in? <laughs> I know. Same, Will. Same. Same. Yeah, because he goes to quit, and then Hannah shows up with cookies, which, I mean, can't fault you for that. I get it. So it looks like Will is not leaving the safe injection site anytime soon. But, I mean, this love interest that's coming his way has to be Hannah, right? Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be. Just, I see this ending so badly. This is going to be like, I I see this ending as like a Grey's level tragic ending. Let's not go there. This, <laughs> I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready for another, like, Anna-Camilla com- combination. I'm not ready. <laughs> Anna-Camilla-Ripley, you know. <sighs> Ripley. <laughs> I know. Brian is like, you had to go there right now. Uh, I had so much stress about it from that crossover. I can't. Oh, I can't. Yeah, we're still reeling off of the uh, Station 19 Grays crossover, but that's another topic for another time. We should do a mini-sode about Station 19 and Grays and all that. Yeah, and really just Station 19. Yeah, I, I was going to say, or yeah. just Station 19. It's so good. They yeah. are similar shows, but they're not similar shows. You can love One Chicago and still love Station 19. We do. Yes. Yes. 100%. 100%. Yes. Because they're different. They're good. So, yes. Dr. Charles ends up meeting with his nephew and the one thing that we've noticed off of this is that his nephew looks so much like Gallo which like that's not what they wanted us to take away from it but we did but Alberto is still better I mean we love Alberto (laughs) on this podcast we love and protect Alberto (laughs) at all costs yes yes so (laughs) Dr. Charles's nephew is a psych major just like his uncle just so sweet and Dr. Charles is basically checking in on him and, you know, he just basically says, he's like, I love my dad, but I'm not going to end up like him. So. This hit me right in the feels. Like, right in the feels. Yeah. I get it. I, 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 yeah. (laughs) Well, and it it almost implied that the nephew had a pill problem at one point, too, didn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And I think, too, just the fact that, like, we're off coming off of, like, losing Cece and Robin's not around anymore. And obviously Dr. Charles' brother, who we never met, is not here. And just, like, the fact that, like, Dr. Charles has family in Chicago that he can go visit. I don't know. Something about that is comforting. Right. Yeah, it is. Because, again, in addition to Gallo, who needs to be protected at all costs, Dr. Charles is right up in there. He needs to be protected at all costs. At all costs. But actually, though. At all costs. But actually, though. Yeah. 
So we got a message from Laurel about this, and Laurel said, "You know, personally, I want Will to stop working at the site. Will has a brother who is a cop, and sometimes I marvel at his audacity to participate in illegal activities." Same, same. I, yeah, it blows my mind sometimes when I think about it too much that Jay is a cop and Will is doing all this shit. Like I can't, I, I, I have no words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I what. What are their conversations like? Does Will just not talk about what happens in the hospital, and like Jay just doesn't talk about what happens at the twenty first? Like, well, and like, what happens if Jay rolls up to the safe injection site ready to make arrests, and like has to arrest fucking Will? <laughs> What's gonna happen is he's gonna look at him and go, "Really, really?" As he puts the cuffs on Will. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, but like that's something that could actually plausibly happen. Oh, it's true. That's true. Though, I mean, I guess it just dep- it depends on what Illinois defines safe injection sites as. Because, you know, that one in Pennsylvania, they said it's not illegal. But I guess it comes down to, like, that state's medical board. Right. But I think, I don't know. I don't know. I'm either. sure if they went through the proper licensing, because that's what they wanted to do at med, then it could be legal. But they probably didn't do it if they set it up off-site from a hospital. I'm just saying. I think the moral of the story is Will needs to get himself together. Pull yourself together. But actually, though. But actually, though. Jeez. So elsewhere across the hospital, we had Natalie and, wait for it, Crockett. Natalie and Crockett. Talk about a weird pair, right? Right. I I mean, we knew it was coming from an episode description, but, like, still weird to wrap my head around weird but also appreciated because we always talk about how sick we get of seeing the couples work together yeah no very much appreciated yeah very much appreciated i'm also sure that the couples are probably sick of working together because they're couples yeah so natalie and crockett get called to a school bus crash first and foremost hey kelly hey hey um (laughs) i love when they show up on other shows to just like pop up and say hello. So because this is how you do a crossover. Yes, Grays. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, Grays. I'm looking at you. Yeah, we're both looking at you. I'm looking at you. Yes, we are uncomfortably you. staring at you right now, Grays. We're making it awkward. I rewatched it yesterday with my BFF because she hadn't seen it yet, and I was just even more mad. I was just like, <sighs> it made me more mad the second time. Right, right. I hear you. I agree. So. They get called to the school bus crash. Basically what happened is that there's a car, a car T-boned the school bus, and that car was carrying a bunch of rebar, and the rebar basically went through the windows of the bus. And so two kids are impaled by the rebar together, which at this point I was like, oh, shit, I'm still not over that episode of Grey's. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought of. I was like, oh, crap. But I will say, watching this school bus crash, I at least didn't have any PTSD for my own bus crashes so i'm I'm, okay i'm very glad to hear that yeah i i I could watch this one i I was okay but yeah i had more callbacks to the gray's anatomy episode than i did my own bus crashes so we're all good sorry we keep bringing up gray's but we do it all the time when we talk about meds so i mean whatever but but actually i mean it's like you know this was definitely that episode and plus this was like this was like the really cruel 2020 reboot of that call because instead of just impaling two grown adults they were like let's just impale some kids right dark <laughs> damn okay yeah sure. that's dark so real dark 
real dark, yeah. So Marcel makes the call early on to cut these kids out of the bus. And Natalie, of course, goes all Natalie and is like, whoa, whoa, these are kids. I'm going to lecture you from my high horse about all the reasons why you can't do this. And Marcel just looks at her and very point blank is just like, we've got two kids here. If we've got a chance of saving them both, I'm taking it. So right off the bat, this kind of shows that they work well together. And by work well together, I mean Marcel is just able to shut Natalie down almost instantly. Right. Because I think the thing that I do like about Marcel is that Marcel isn't necessarily willing to, like, easily give into the med system that has been created. Right. Like, he's more, like, sticking to his guns and sticking to what he knows to believe is true and, like... He, if other people in the med, sy- the med system don't believe that and don't agree with that, then, like, he doesn't give two shits. I don't even think he's aware of, like, the fact that there's a med system. He just does what he wants. Right. Which I appreciate. Same. Same. So they get the kids out because Kelly, just doing Kelly Severide things. I mean, I'm, he's an Avenger. I will keep – that is the hill I will die on. That's another shirt we need to do. I need to Photoshop him and make him look like an Avenger. <laughs> he's a superhero yeah. i mean it's true though he is captain america he really is captain chicago maybe that's his name just yeah yeah but of course they get them out but not before natalie can like finally get one more dig in and she just looks at dr marcel and she's like i hope you're right about this natalie stop yeah this is why people don't like you she's really getting to be too much like these past couple of episodes it's been bad I don't know how our friends are still friends with her. Right. And, like, not in the bad... Like, I don't mean that. Like, because I, I... But, yeah. Like, I just... I don't like her half the time. So, half like, how do our friends stand it? Exactly. And it's interesting that, you know, the first half of the season was basically her putting Will aside and then her almost kind of making bad decisions... And it's the complete opposite now that Will told Natalie to step aside and it's all about Will's personal growth. So, like, they're making Will look really good, but they made Natalie almost look kind of weak. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, do you you get what I'm saying? I think so. Well, okay, so the first half of the season – when Natalie was like Will, like GTFO, and he did without Will. They're, they're basically sh- they basically showed that without Will, Natalie is weak and Natalie just kind of like flounders about and doesn't know what to do. But this back half of the season, they're kind of showing that without Natalie, Will does better. Yeah, I'd ag- I mean, yeah, I'd agree with that. It's just well, interesting to me. We don't know that for sure yet, though. That's true. Will thinks he's doing better. And I th- I think they're definitely healthier and, like, in better places when they're not together. But, like, Will thinks he's doing better. Because I have a feeling this safe injection site stuff's going to blow up in his face. Yeah. So, I mean, like, will he really have done better? I don't know. Will's going to well. So yeah. that's fair. I get that. Yeah. So the kids, Henry and Kate, they are not in good shape. And so the the rebar ended up hitting Henry in the jugular, which, again, I mean, I watch so many medical shows that I know that that's, like, kind of bad. 
And so I'm like totally baffled as to why they then were like, let's move him off of the pole. Like, I'm sorry, what? Right. Well, that's the thing, too, is like medical shows tend to teach you that like you if it touches the jugular or the carotid or whatever, like do not touch it. Like absolutely keep it in place until you get into a stable operating room and like can actually do something about it when it goes bad because they also teach you that like when it hits you if you were to take it off they usually have like minutes to live right before they like bleed out so like why isn't this the case with this guy i don't know unless all those other shows are wrong i I don't don't know know. i don't know again we have zero background in the medical field and we're literally just totally speculating and spitballing and we could be dead wrong but you know who knows? So yeah, yeah, they move this kid yeah. off of it. And I'm just like, this is okay. I mean, it doesn't seem right, but I'm like, whatever. They're TV doctors. I'm not going to question them. Um, but even Lanik is like, what the hell did you do, Dr. Marcel? Because he even says he's like, hell of a move bringing them in like a shish kebab. I mean. Yeah, they, yeah, they look like a shish kebab. He is correct. He is correct. He is correct. So Kate's surgery does not go well. And meanwhile, in the CT scanner, Henry is developing a bleed. And it seems like the walls are kind of closing in on Crockett, which we've never seen before. Like, his confidence is getting shook. I will say that's, like, a nice change of pace, though. I mean, it's worth 12 episodes in. And, like, to see Marcel finally not be, like, finally seeing, like, a different layer to him, it's, like, a nice change. Absolutely. And it makes him more relatable. Like, you know, when you see people that are, like, making mistakes, it's like, okay, okay, cool. I I can get behind you now. I mean, we saw it in different ways with Connor, but I feel like that's almost, as a doctor, what I was kind of missing from Connor Rhodes. It's like we never really saw him have, like, the circle that Will continuously is going through or, like, that Crockett experience in this episode. Like, Connor was just all, like, cardiovascular heart surgeon god all the time and, like, everything he did was, like, pretty much flawless. Right, exactly. And I feel like when Connor did make mistakes, like he would almost throw a hissy fit about it and be like, Connor Rhodes doesn't make mistakes. Right. Like everything we saw in terms of Connor, like feeling defeated or whatever was always personal, which is also interesting, but we never saw him really fail in the operating room. Correct. And I would have liked to seen that. Same, same. Absolutely. So Crockett then opts for the safer option with Henry because, like, the two options he has, he can either tie off the artery or do a reconstruction. And tying off the artery would basically – it's the safer option, but it would also have more long-term effects. And so he opts for the safer option because he tells Natalie, he's like, I've already done enough damage today. And this is the one time maybe in all of med history that Natalie goes full Natalie, but it's a good thing. Right. Because right. she's basically like, this kid deserves the best shot. I'm going to get it back up on my high horse. But this is also a motivational speech. So, like, get your head out of your ass and do the damn surgery. And he's like, okay, cool. So he opts for the riskier option and channels his inner Connor and saves the day. Because, boom, confidence restored. Yeah. So Where is that, that version of Natalie when we need her? We've never really seen that version of Natalie. No, not at all. We've seen other people do that for her. Yeah. But we've never seen her do that for other people. Right. Right. So Henry and Kate both pull through, which is awesome because they're kids and they're best friends. And that's adorable. And, you know, let's not kill the kids off the show. So Crockett's like, oh, thank God. But Natalie 
ask. She's like, well, hang on, hang on a second. You know, never seen your confidence shaking like that. Like what was going through your head? Now, first off in this scene, he is wearing plaid. This is one of those moments where I look or I text Brenna and I'm just like, Brenna, I love us. Because quite often we will have moments where we have the exact same thought and we'll put them in two separate places. And so basically Brenna actually officially tweeted this fact. And then I had also like, or no, yeah, you tweeted it and I put it in the outline that I was like, okay, Crockett's wearing plaid. So like he's definitely part of One Chicago now. And we had the same thought and we put it in two different places. Just us. Right. It's a welcome sight. It is. It definitely yeah. is. And it means he's he's one of us. Like, you know how Voight will say, like, I'm glad you're in my unit. And, like, that's his stamp of approval. Crockett's wearing plaid. He's in. Right. He's in. It doesn't matter. I will fight for him forever now. <laughs> Which, like, we got that tweet from Connor that was like, are Gina and Bryna going to become full-fledged uh, Marcel fans now? And you were just like, mm, I, I don't know. I don't know. But all it took was him wearing plaid. I mean, yes unofficially yes i protect marcel at all costs because he wore plaid but on the other hand i'm still not like a hundred percent there yet <laughs> although this was a big step this i was, really yeah. enjoyed marcel in this episode is he my like favorite favorite no will he ever be my favorite favorite probably not but like i did enjoy him in this episode yeah and the... he wore plaid so forever and always marcel <laughs> Quote that. <laughs> Forever and always Marcel. Brenna just said that. <laughs> because he wore plaid. Because he wore plaid. Because he wore plaid. I feel like I just need to keep saying that over and over again. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So at this point, he looks at Natalie and he like, his voice kind of breaks and he just says, he's like, nobody should have to lose a child. This is seven words and my heart just like breaks in this moment. Uh, he definitely lost a child, and I'm not okay by that. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. I could just, like, feel my heart breaking, and I was like, all he said was one sentence. Well, and it was so interesting, because there was those interviews from, with Andy and Diane from TCA's, or no, I don't know, it wasn't TCA's, but they had told TV Line, I think, um, that, like, we were going to learn more about Marcel's backstory through the back half and I was like oh okay cool like you know maybe we'll learn more about where he's from like his medical experience prior to med you know like all that stuff but like I didn't expect this no like damn this is a sucker punch to the gut oh big sure big time and I like that this was unexpected because usually when they say, like, oh, we're going to learn more about, you know, whomever, whatever, you can always kind of guess, like, bad things that have happened. But this one, we're all like, oh, oh, wow. Oh, no, he lost a child. This is big. Yeah, I did not see that coming at all. No, no. And so the very last shot is Crockett at a bar that is not Molly's, and he is very clearly bothered by something. So I, it's pretty safe to assume that he lost a child, which I, I just th- – that is going to destroy us. Yeah. And I feel like then we're going to have to stand Marcel from here on out or maybe not stand, but like, damn, how do you not, how do you hate someone after this? I know. But I also get the feeling from that, that you're just going to be like, Ugh, something bad happened to him. I guess I have to stand him. No, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. You did just say forever and always Marcel. Because he wore plaid. <laughs> 
because he wore plaid. Although I did say, I liked him in this episode. And I think this episode goes a long way into getting me to like him more. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I love the doctor part of him. I love that. It's the personal part of him that I'm like, Crockett, what are you doing? Right. And at this point, though, honestly, like, we'll talk about it in a second when we get to the sex toy stuff. Like, at this point, I can't even blame Crockett anymore. Like, Crockett is just out here living his life. Like, doing the things that he's doing as a single man, right? Like, you know, like, he's not, like, he doesn't care. Like, it's April that I'm like, April, girl, what you doing? What are you doing? Also true. Also true. That I mean, I guess that begs an interesting question. I've never been in the position where I've been with somebody who is currently with somebody else. But, yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, do you sit back and just do your own thing? Or do you, you know, kind of look out for the other person and be like, you can't do this to them? Right. But at this point, Crockett has fully decided, you know, like, know what? Like, April's gonna April made her decision and like I'm just gonna be over here living my life and it's April who's the one that's like I don't know how what I'm doing I can't we'll we'll get there I'll save that for a second so venturing on into sex toy these two just these two Brenna will you take us through Ethan Ethan I almost said Ethan and April again I almost did that okay (laughs) Brenna would you please take us through Ethan and April Yeah. So they get a patient who comes from the bus crash. She's a kid. Um, And so far, I mean, she's a little shaken up, whatever. But for the most part, she looks good. And they literally say at one point, she looks good. And Uh as soon as she says that, I'm like, well, she's dead. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) They're going to kill her. Her, Alice is her name. Like, no way. She's making out of this out of a life. That's so bad that we can like pick up on those things now and they're like, Oh, so-and-so looks good. I'm like, I'm sorry. What time is it? Oh no, they're definitely going to die. She, yeah. Um, but so, but again, for the most part, she looks okay. She's just a little shaken up. Um, but they said they're going to run tests just to make sure before they, um, get her out of there. But so April is talking to Maggie and April admits to Maggie that she can't stop thinking about Crockett. And I'm just like, girl, what are you doing? April. Yeah. And Laurel, I was going to say, Laurel brought up a really interesting point, which I definitely agree with. Like, she said, like, how can she be planning to do IVF with Ethan and thinking about Crockett? Which, like, is true. Like, you're literally leading Ethan on. And I'm not saying that I don't think she doesn't love Ethan and, like, doesn't want to have a baby with Ethan. But, like, by not telling him the truth, she's leading him on. Oh, big time. I just like, <sighs> and like, what is she Girl. doing? Trying to like taking proactive steps to have a baby with Ethan. What is she doing? Doing that, but also telling Maggie that she still has feelings for Crockett. What are you doing, girl? What you doing? Yeah. And Maggie literally just said she. Maggie, I love Maggie. She's just like, get over it. Like, yeah, basically the same thing. Like you're having a baby with Ethan. Like focus on that and get over. It. Crockett. I mean, does she just think that having a baby will magically erase all the feelings she has for Crockett? Yes. That ain't it. Right. And that, like, by having the baby, giving Ethan the baby that I mean, she wanted to, but that he definitely wanted, that, like, maybe in some ways that's, like, a sweetener for when she eventually tells him that she kissed Marcel, which is terrible. 
if that is so the case. bad. That is going to backfire like, in just the biggest of fashions. It's not crazy to think about, though, that that's her reasoning. And no, rationale. it's not. Yeah. Anyway. So, Al, they go back and check in on Alice. And again, she seems to be fine, other than she's having these massive breathing issues. But apparently, as they find out, Alice smoked cigarettes. But again, she's like 12. So, like, what the hell? Right. This is not the 70s. Like, kids don't smoke anymore. I mean, they probably do, but, like, at 12? Well, yeah, but, like, I feel like that was more common in the 70s. Like, kids were smoking all the time back then. True. I remember in high school, like, we would go to lunch and I would see a bunch of people smoking, but we were also, like, 16 and 17. We weren't 12. Right. And I feel like now, like, anyone that I know that smokes, which is not many because I can't be around people who smoke um, because my asthma. But, like, yeah, anyone that I do know that smokes didn't really start till like, 18, 19, 20, you know, like, until they got to college, really. Yeah. So, but, yeah. And her parents, like, let her do it, too, which is, like, eye rolls. So bad. Yeah. So she has complications from that and ends up having to be intubated, which, like, it's terrible. She's 12. Like, again, eye rolls. And so after she's intubated, Ethan finds her dad outside vaping because they still can't figure out, like, why she's having all these issues. Just, I mean, she smoked, yes, but, like, still, she's having more complicated issues than, like, what smoking should do to her. Um, But as it turns out, Alice vaped once to help her quit the cigarettes, which is, like, again, terrible. And her parents thought, they were like, oh, yeah, she did it once to help her quit. Like, you know, yeah, she's fine. She's done. Whatever. Oh, my God. No, that's not the case. And they're all and they're all advocating for vaping, too. They're like, but vaping's safer than cigarettes. And I'm just like, <sighs> what kills technically, here? yes, but yeah. no, it's still bad for you. Like, I bad i know um what really kills me here is that i mean the whole time ethan is like the, the minute ethan realizes that they weren't necessarily telling him the truth he gets pissed and the minute they find out that she was still vaping they get so judgy with these parents that i almost can't blame them for not telling them the truth i feel like they probably didn't tell the truth to ethan in april because they were embarrassed And they probably were afraid that the doctor was going to react exactly the way Ethan and April reacted. Right. But at the same time, too, and maybe this is because I also just grew up in, you know, a family with a doctor and whatever. But, like, a doctor can't help you unless you tell them everything. So, like, judgment aside, if you really cared about your daughter, I'm not saying they don't, but if you really cared about your daughter, you would have told them everything from the beginning. No, right, right. No, of course, of course. I mean, I'm just... I'm wondering if maybe it was in a conscious decision that they just kind of like subconsciously didn't want to face that judgment. Yes. But yes, you're right. Ethan and April in this episode are like Mr. and Mrs. McJudgy, judgy face. Like <laughs> they are like on point with their judginess. I- they they get like that sometimes, especially with cases involving kids. Not that they want one. It's, Ethan and April and Natalie should just like go form a daycare or something. It's because they're not good liars, so they wear it on their face. That's true. <laughs> they, wear their, they wear their expressions, like, 
vividly and outwardly on their face. No poker like, face. They just can't hide anything in. Yeah. Well, no, uh, I mean, obviously April's a good liar because we see what she's doing right now. Yeah, she's probably the least concerning out of the three of them. Yeah. Um, but basically, Alice ends up still intubated, and she has this thing called Evali, Evali, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. And basically, in the end, May never wake up. Um, and it ends up being, you know, a vaping-associated lung injury because she didn't stop vaping like they thought she had did. Yep. And this whole thing comes back to the theme of telling the truth and obviously makes it the perfect April and Ethan storyline because April still hasn't told Ethan the truth and May never will or May at their wedding that happens in episode 100 that we're speculating. We don't know. But yes. The longer she goes without telling him, the worse the fallout is going to be. And I don't know how she doesn't realize that. Right. And the thing is, we were having a conversation about this the first time we tried to record this episode. But like... If she had just come clean to him from the beginning, like as soon as he got back from the his his deployment, I think he still would have been upset. But like they probably could have worked through it. And now, I don't even think he's going to be necessarily as upset about the fact that April kissed Marcel. It's going to be about the fact that she lied to him this whole time, and like that's something hard to get over. Well, yeah, because a lie like that demonstrates a lack of respect. Right. Right, especially, like, I think it's probably more common than people think, but, like, feelings of confusion can happen, and I think they probably, again, would have been able to work through it if April had just been like, I'm kind of confused, you know, I think I was just in the moment with my IVF stuff, but I'm not really sure, blah, 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 and, like, I think Ethan would have been okay, I mean, not necessarily okay, but, like, would have, they could have worked through it, Right. and now they're not going to be able to, and I don't blame him for that. Me neither. I feel like the majority of April's problems come from not being able to effectively communicate what she's feeling or what she needs. Right. And that's not just even with Ethan. Like, I think that extends to everyone else, too, like, especially her relationship with Noah. Right, right. And it kills me with her relationship with Ethan that, you know, she can't tell him what she's feeling because there are times where Ethan is just a straight up asshole to her. Oh, 100%. Yeah, this whole issue would be a lot easier for April if she would just up and tell people what she needs or what she's feeling. Right, 100%. So they're just, it's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad. Really bad. But I mean, and what happens when the other shoe drops? I mean, is this like a big moment for them? Where I mean, is there is there any coming back from it? I don't know. I think it's a lot of it's going to pretend, depend, not pretend, depend on how it plays out. Man, I mean, from what we know about Ethan, he's not willing to forgive very quickly. No. He held that grudge no. against Natalie, or not Natalie, no. He was estranged from Emily for a while. Right. So, God, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. So, uh, Brenna, will you please take us through Maggie? Yes. So Maggie kind of starts off getting bad news. She, her radiation isn't working like her oncologist had hoped. And so they're going to add some hormone replacement therapy in, but not the best news to start out with. And so she's definitely in her feelings kind of as a result heading forward in this episode. 
So Gary, who's a friend of hers from chemo, comes in after he's passed out. And he's waiting on a bone marrow transplant. They finally got him a match, and he's supposed to get it next week. But And so they're like, oh, well, since they already have the match, they could just speed up the transplant. Like, this is great. But the other shoe drops because as the donor, as it turns out, the donor has a fever of 103. And the cutoff in order to get the transplant is, or in order to get the bone marrow from her is 99.9. So she just barely misses the mark. And Maggie keeps fighting, though, to make this happen. But Gary doesn't necessarily feel right about this one. He's just kind of like, you know, maybe this wasn't meant to be. This isn't my time. You know, all those terrible things that you don't ever want to feel. Mm-hmm. And so Maggie, though, like we said, Maggie keeps fighting, and she decides that she's going to have the whole staff tested to see if their potential bone marrow matches, which is a total Natalie move, and I wasn't a fan of at first. At first, I was like, Maggie, girl, I was like, your heart's in the right place, but, like, what are we doing? Because Goodwin comes and calls her out on it, and she's just like, there's a ED full of kids from this bus crash, and, like, you're over here trying to do this. And I kind of felt the same way at first. I was like, girl. Like, what are we doing? But the families of the kids are so moved by Maggie's determination to help her friend that they all decide to get tested to see if they're matches. Not necessarily just for him, but just so that they're in the system, which Mm -hmm. (sighs) warms the heart. It really does. Yeah. And so they end up finding a match for Gary. And Maggie's, like, running through the ED. She's like, Gary, Gary, we found a match. But as it turns out, she's too late because Gary ends up coding and passing away. Maggie. Which is so terrible. It is terrible. But it ends on a hopeful note because at least Goodwin takes Maggie to the waiting room and shows her all the matches that were made as a result of her determination and Goodwin even says she's like you know you saved a lot of lives today Maggie which just like warms the heart and I was like okay I was like Maggie I forgive you for I'm sorry I said all those negative things to you (laughs) like 30 minutes earlier no I mean it is a total Natalie move but I feel like the difference with Maggie is that all Goodwin has to do is just set her straight and then she's good so like Goodwin's just like hey focus there's an ed of people over here and she's just like okay shifts focus whereas natalie is like let me find some covert ways to do this yeah exactly maggie poor thing so do we have any other notes about med no i think that's it it's a solid episode yeah jeff wrote this one so a solid episode from jeff indeed indeed so moving into fire, this was also a good episode. Pretty tame. So we yeah. got some like bonus surprises in this episode that I did not think we were going to get. And it, it's the kind of surprises that I'm just like, oh my goodness, like we're so blessed. <laughs> How did we get so lucky as to have all of these adorable surprises? So we start off with the Stellarides. And Stella is trying to plan a vacation for Kelly's birthday because these two are just, this is like, I feel like this giving us happy Stella ride for like the duration of the season is like one of the best decisions the powers that be could have made. Yeah, 100%. It's, and and I'm not just saying that because they're adorable together. I mean, yeah, they're adorable together, but it's providing a lot of levity. Yeah. When I love, too, that, like, even in Derek's Q&A from Sunday, 
the thing that was like his tweet with the emojis that was like, what's next for everyone? And he like wrote next to Celeride, like the hard eyes emojis. So like, I guess we're going to still continue to get like blessed with Celeride, which I just, I love. It's so good. I just, it's so good. Cause no matter what bad shit happens on the show, like we've still got the Celerides like keeping us anchored and like, okay, there's some positivity. There's some love. It's just perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So Ritter suggests that she use his boyfriend, Eric, since he's a travel agent. So was not expecting to learn Ritter's boyfriend's name. So we got that. Eric's a travel agent. Well, lo and behold, get a little later in the episode and we meet Eric. Yeah. And he's adorable. Is amazing. Yeah. I've been wanting this for so long. He's adorable. Just adorable. And I mean, yeah, it, we, it wasn't even, I love that it's something that wasn't hinted at or hyped or anything. It was just like, boom, here's Ritter's boyfriend. Surprise. Yeah. So great. So great. So Eric suggests a couple of ideas and Stella likes the idea of going on a cruise the most. And so Eric is like, yep, we went on a cruise last year. We loved it. And meanwhile, what we don't see is Ritter's face in the corner being like, oh God, no, no, Ritter's face is just not happy at all and so severide is looking on with Bowden and casey and he mentions that stella has been acting weird which like i felt so bad for kelly in this episode because he was like why is she being so distant like why is she being so crazy and i'm just like oh kelly like i love that she's planning something so awesome but i hate that severide's like dying over it yeah he's like he thinks something's wrong but it's like actually a good thing yeah it's actually like the cutest and, of course, Bowden's just like, yeah, don't ever try and figure women out. Just boys. So Stella is looking at crew stuff at the table, and she's talking to everybody. And basically everybody finds out. And so everybody thinks that the cruise is a bad idea, including Ritter, who actually, like, completely hated it but didn't really say anything. And it's just so perfect here when she she blows her cover in, like, the most adorable way. Because she basically says something right as Kelly walks in. And Kelly's, like, the whole time, like, that's what you've been planning. And it's just precious and perfect. And so, yes, the surprise is ruined. But he pulls her in for this kiss. And, again, I know we keep making Grey's Anatomy references. But this was, like, an Alex and Izzy-style kiss. Yeah. I mean, Yeah. It was, but I hated though that the camera like panned away from it too. I was like, oh, come on now. Yeah, it was a it was a steamy kiss for the firehouse. Well, especially because like it's one of the only kisses that we got where it's like actually in good lighting, and I'm like, come on now, like you <laughs> had to pan away in this moment, really. Yeah, true, very true. Yeah, but it's just the most adorable like cover, and just and Kelly like he smiles so big when he realizes that she was trying to surprise him, and just they're perfect, and just. Dreamy sigh. They're so great. So at the end of the episode, Severide returns home from the hospital. We'll circle back into that. But he finds a birthday cake and Stella just waiting for him. And the episode ends and Severide asks her to move in. Like all things like surprise, like perfect, wonderful, awesome things that there was no hint that we were getting at all. What I love too, the thing that I think I really loved about this season and just their relationship since they've been official is that like, it's happened at like a gradual pace. Like it wasn't like, you know, things they got had together and they were like, you know, we're going to be serious. And then he like asked her in like 801. It was like, no, like it took them 12 episodes. You know, they lived apart for a while, which I think was healthy. Yeah. And you know, like they figured their stuff out and like now they're going to move in together. You know, like it's just a gradual thing and I love it. 
It's, like, I think it's what they needed. And, like, and what he needed, especially. The character growth. Oh, my goodness. Just. I know. It's amazing. Chef's kiss. Mwah. Like, perfect. Just perfect. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, elsewhere, we had Brett and Cruz and their new roommate. And so, Brett basically suggests renting out the third room in their apartment and kind of is heartbreaking in that moment because Joe's face of, like, realization that he, like, he doesn't want to rent out Otis's room, which, yeah, yeah. File, file Otis under a fictional death I will never get under, or under, over, over. <laughs> Words. Yeah, Words. no, definitely, especially recent ones. Yeah, for sure. Let me, let me say that one again, okay? Let's just file Otis under fictional deaths I will never get over. Ever. 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 So Malch pipes up and says that Nick Porter is looking. So if you don't remember who Nick Porter is, Nick Porter is the wholesaler guy from that episode when Cruz took the slam again to the Firefighters Expo. And he's been around, I think, in other episodes, too. Like, he's someone we've known for a little bit. Yeah, he's popped up before. Because didn't he pop up? Didn't he, like, try to help Bowden's brother-in-law with his business, too, when that was, like, a hot second thing? Wasn't that Nick Porter? I think so. Yeah, he's been around. Yeah. So, yeah, he's been around. So, uh, Foster's not happy about this, but she's also, like, completely silent. She's just kind of off in the corner, like, giving everybody eyes. So, Nick moves in. He's kind of the worst. So he starts going on and on about how terrible marriage is, like, right in front of Cruz, which, like, how dare you, sir, okay? I am not here for anybody who is willing to come in between Cruz and Chloe. No. No, 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 no. Get the fuck out. No, we, no. You, you shall not pass. You shall not pass. No. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You leave Cruz and Chloe alone. Get the fuck out. Mm -hmm. GTFO. Doors over there. So (laughs) Nick Porter basically makes them watch classic NASCAR races instead of hockey. Like, what are you doing? That's weird. Okay, my favorite thing, though. So I I looked it up because I couldn't tell if this was, like, an actual race or not. Mm -hmm. I've never heard of the Hooters 500. I don't know if it still exists. Apparently, though, it's, like, considered to be one of the greatest races of all times. The 1992 Hooters 500. Okay. In fact, looked it up. There's a couple big things that happened in that episode, or in that, it was, like, the emergence of Jeff Gordon as a, like, prominent racer, and then it was, like, Richard Petty's last race ever. It was just, like, it was a big deal. So, yes, apparently one of the greatest races of all time. I went down the rabbit hole. Okay. Now we know. Hooters. Now we know. 500 is don't sleep on it. Got it. But I don't know if it's still a thing. I could that I didn't know. I don't know if the Hooters 500 is still a thing, but. But also like they make DVDs of old NASCAR races. Uh, I don't know if that's really a thing. I mean, that's but, the kind of thing that you can just go on YouTube for. Right. I don't know if that's really. But hmm. although I guess I can't judge because like when I'm talking to my friends about gymnastics and stuff and I'm like, you need to see this routine. I like immediately pull it up and they're just like, Gina, make better choices. And I'm like, that's fair. That's fair. So Nick basically just says, he's like, no offense, but I'm kind of used to being the team leaner. Like it'll be a great dynamic for the apartment. What? You just got here. This line, I was like, really, dude? Like, really? Sit down. Really? Just sit down. It's bad. 
So the next morning, Britt walks out. She finds Nick sipping on whiskey and looking at pictures of his ex-wife. Dude. Dude. So Joe comes out. The two of them agree that they made a big mistake. Like, Joe and Britt are just like, no, this has got to stop. And so Britt is talking about it in the locker room, and Foster says that, like, she can't take it anymore. She wanted it to be her, but she was afraid to ask because she didn't want to overstep. And she also said, like, you know, especially considering who was in that room, like, I knew I could never replace Otis. And at that point, Stella just gives the advice. She's like, you got to live with who you love. And so Cruz and Brett conspire with Mouch to get Nick out and back together with his wife. So they end up bringing in Ellen, Ellen being Nick Porter's wife. And she reads them right away. But the cool thing here is that Ellen is played by David Eigenberg's real life sister. I had no idea he was from an acting family. I didn't either. Yeah, I just I, I know that he and his wife met in the military, but I didn't know that acting was, you know, a family affair. Yeah, it's so cool. I had no idea. That's cool. Eigenberg would be a really good interview. I know. Did you you sent me the one of him on uh, whatever the Chicago morning show is that was um, promoting the paddle board thing? Yeah. It's so funny. He is funny. He would be a really good interview. Yeah. He was so nice when we met him. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He, and he's, I mean, I interviewed him for One Chicago Day, and he's hysterical. Awesome. I love it. I love it. And I love that it, I love that it was a family member of his. And so, yeah, she reads them right away. And so they finally end up getting Nick out. Uh, but, like, Nick is leaving as Foster's coming in. And Nick's just, like, the body's not even cold. And that's that. So now Cruz and Brett and Foster live in like a party pad. And I just want to know when game night is because I want to come over. Yeah, same. Uh, hi. Hi. We're here. Hey. Hello. Could do a live episode. Play some video games. I could bring wine. I have games. Oh, my God. Wouldn't that be amazing? It would be amazing. It would be amazing. I would love that. They, they, they probably have like the coolest apartment now. Oh, 100%. But like. Cruz is about to move out. Correct. Or is Chloe moving in? Or is Chloe moving in? I would imagine that they would get their own place together. I would imagine, but like, interesting. Or maybe not to start out, but I, I'm pretty sure that Cruz and Chloe would grow tired of that pretty fast. Yeah. Goodness. Again, as long as nobody messes with Cruz and Chloe, don't touch them, leave them alone, put them in a bubble. They're precious, yeah. and they deserve to be happy and protect at all costs. At all costs. All costs, yes. That's, like, the motto of the podcast. Like, meet us at Protect everybody at all costs. All costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Brenna, will you take us through the false alarms? Yes. So, basically, all of 51 gets called to Stover Academy, which is, like, private prep all boys school um because but as it turns out it was just someone pulling alarm there was never actually a fire there and Bowden is pissed like capital p pissed Mm -hmm. when he finds out that it was just a false alarm and so they're there on the scene still and they get called to another call and Bowden's like yeah just go there like we're done here I don't know if I've honestly ever seen Bowden this mad at, like, a call. Like, he's, like, pissed. Yeah, I mean, they're all pissed. Yeah, Bowden especially. Mm-hmm. But, and as it turns out, they really did need to get to their next call because there, a guy is trapped under an oil tank in his basement 
um, that he was trying to move to like clean or whatever and did it by himself. So it fell on him. Um, luckily though, Severide, Casey, Bowden, they get him out, but he's in really bad shape, like really bad shape. So they go back to 51 and Severide starts going over the call sheets from the other shifts because hello, investigator Severide (laughs) at your service. (laughs) And they've apparently all the other shifts have gone to server a few of it, a few other times over the last month. And Casey's like, it's an epidemic. And I'm like, I don't know if that's the word I would use, but it's definitely an issue. (laughs) (laughs) We get what you're trying to say, Casey, just not, not quite. Yeah, not exactly. No. So Casey and Severide go visit the headmaster at Stover. And this whole episode, really, but especially in this scene, just like, holy Severide eyes. Like, yeah, uh, the entire episode is Severide eyes. Every moment of this episode is amazing. This scene, especially, though. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, you're trying to focus on what Kelly's saying, but like you're getting blinded by his eyes. It's just, you know, a one Chicago problem. Yeah. And so Casey and Severide just want to talk to whoever's pulling the alarms. But the headmaster's like, uh, no way. He even says, he's like, our students are entitled to their privacy and disciplinary matters are kept in strict confidence. Um, I feel like I just need to step in and defend private schools here for a second as someone who went to one literally her entire life, preschool to senior year of high school. And then I went to a private university. I've never gone to a public school in my entire life. <laughs> Not all private schools are this bad. I'm just saying. I mean, this headmaster really had his head up his ass. Right. Like, and I get that there's probably a little bit of pressure from the parents because this seems like it's a bougie, bougie school and whatever. But like, still, not all private schools are this bad. Sincerely, someone who went to private school. (laughs) I just, he was way too casual about this, that Casey and Severide were like, hello, somebody is pulling the alarm. Like, false alarms are dangerous. And he's just like, meh, it's not bad. Yeah. So they go to Bowdoin and they even bring a plat to see like what they can do because they're like, yo, this, this, we need to talk to them. Yeah. And Platt's like ready to act. She's like, let's arrest people. We got this. <laughs> like we're ready to go. And Casey and Severide are just like, yeah, we just want to teach them a lesson. We don't, we don't want to arrest them. <laughs> I mean, if I'm whoever's pulling these alarms and I know Trudy Platt is waiting for me, like that is enough to get me to stop. Yeah. I'm not including the wrath of Platt. But so they end up not going with Platt and they end up deciding to stand outside the school that next morning or whatever and pass out flyers about false alarms. And they they just like hand them out to everyone they know. And they have this little catchphrase too. At one point, they're just like fire, false alarms, kill, which I. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But. Like, okay. these are teenagers who don't really pay attention to, like, anything, so. Yeah. But they do meet a couple of kids who seem interested in firefighting. Um, and But that's really as far as it goes. They're just like, tell your parents that you want us to come do a safety demonstration. And that's, like, as far as we really go. So, Severide Casey, though, are too good and pure for this world. And they decide to go to the victim's family's house and replace the window that they broke just because they want to do something good. Which, like, again, I love them. (laughs) Oh, my God. They are such dads in this episode. Such dads. We'll talk about it at the end. But, like, such dads. Mm -hmm. 
So they walk into shift the next morning and they see the kid from Stover that they were talking to about just firefighting in general, like walking around the block. Um, but he doesn't really come near the house. And once they see him, he like and chooses to run off. Um, but later, Severide sees the kid again. And this time he walks up to the house door and like drops something off in an envelope. So Severide goes after him and ends up bringing him inside. And his name is Jared, and apparently he just wanted to help, and he printed off the class rosters for the classes around where the fire alarm was pulled at the time of day, whatever. Um, he just wanted to help. And, like, I've officially decided Jared is definitely joining the CFD in Chicago Fire Season 22 and will be working alongside Griffin and Ben and Nathan and Annabelle and everyone else we have declared Chicago Fire the next generation. We ha- we've already cast it. Just, I mean, yeah, right. it, it's happening. It's happening. Perfect. Right. If we can do Saved by the Bell the next generation like 10 times, we can definitely do Chicago Fire the next generation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, definitely. So. And it's going to be awesome. Oh, my God. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. So <laughs> they end up getting another false alarm call at Stover. And this time they decide, like, we're not leaving until we figure out who pulled the freaking alarm. And so they find out that it was pulled right outside the gym. And so they start looking through security camera footage to see, like, if they could find out who it was. Um, but as it turns out, like, nobody really left the area of the gym. So they assume that whoever did pull the alarm is still in the gym. So they start to scour through the gym, and they end up finding a little boy in the locker room. And, y'all, he is literally Fire's version of Baby Yoda, just because, like, those eyes. Oh, my God. Like, I know. I can't even like he's looking up at Casey and Severide and he has like the biggest eyes and I just like oh my god yeah I think everybody did that the minute that Casey pulled that curtain not Casey Severide pulled back that curtain and we saw him we were like oh my goodness I also I'm not gonna lie that I like got kind of excited because I like, the minute they pulled back the curtain and we saw the kid I was like oh we're about to go from pissed off Severide to like amazing with kids Severide awesome right right and so Apparently, Elijah, the baby boy, or the kid, six years old, whatever, he wanted to get Stover in trouble so that it could get shut down and he could go back to his old school and his old friends because his dad pulled him out of that school so that he could get a better education at Stover. Um, But he is willing to make things right. And he's like, you know, I'm willing to do whatever, you know, what can I do? Whatever. So Casey and Severide have this idea to take Elijah to visit the guy who was just injured. And he gives him this get well soon card that he made. And it's just... It's so damn pure. Oh, my God. I know. I mean, he really is. He's so young. Like, he really is probably, like, six. It's crazy. Yeah, six, seven, maybe at the oldest. Yeah. But, yeah, for Casey and Severide to, like, take him together to the hospital, like, just big dad energy. Just such dads. But, yeah, that's the false story. That's the false alarm storyline. Any other notes about fire? Yeah. Uh, no, just again, another solid episode. Indeed. So, uh, Casey and Severide being dads, my heart, I can't. The best. Yeah. Yeah. Lastly, we have PD. And oh my goodness, this episode. I can't. I, wow. This went in so many different directions that I was like, oh, da- oh damn, they're going there. Okay. All right. We're doing this. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. And so, you know, this was one with a really, really detail heavy case, but it, it, it had personal implications on the team. So that made it not so bad. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, but it wasn't until the end where, like, I still felt like, even watching it back, I was kind of like, okay. Like, I kind of wish there was more personal. But maybe we've just been spoiled for the last couple weeks. We really have. We really have. And right off the bat, we got some personal stuff that was really good. Um, They were getting ready to all go undercover, and Adam and Jay were talking while Haley and Kim were getting ready. And Jay is just like, man, pregnant and undercover. Like, that's a reality show. Um, I would watch that. Just, I would watch that. Uh, but the best moment is when he's like, no, it's badass. Like, it's badass. Just, just squaggles. Squaggles. Yeah, my favorite, though, it's Ruzik. And they're, like, finally actually, like, walking over to the van. And Ruzik's like, man, can you imagine the kids or the stories we're going to tell this kid? Like. But, yeah, just imagine Adam just being like, and then one time in season two. Your mom's good-for-nothing partner got her shot. TBT. Yeah. And then a season later, your dad was being a jerk, and so your mom went and dated said good-for-nothing partner. Dated. (laughs) Quote-unquote, yeah. Dated. But, Dad, didn't you date Aunt Haley one time? We don't talk about that. (laughs) It was a moment of just... It was... Yeah. Uncle Jay had been shot, and Aunt Haley was scared. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Story time. So, uh, basically, Rojas is going to meet with this guy, and they're going to basically do, like, a drug buy. Um, he thinks it's just, like, a, a, an initial meeting, but really they're planning to kick his ass and take him down. And so, the undercover buy, I thought it went down at an airport, but then I was wondering if it went down on a bus station. Because, obviously, when we see an airport on PD... My first question is, is this where Jay was abducted from, or is it not where Jay was abducted from? It was too nice looking to be a bus station, I think. Fair, fair. Bus stations don't look that nice. So maybe it was where Jay was abducted from. I don't know. I don't know. So I just assumed it was an airport. Rojas meets the guy. Everything's going according to plan, but Haley sees the guy, and she basically says, stand down. Like, stop. Don't do anything. Because it turns out this guy is a cop. Womp womp. And she knows him from the Academy days, too. And I loved this moment where she was explaining, because it was great. So she goes, he might have asked me out on a date. And the minute she says that, everyone's heads turn. And then she goes, I also might have said no. <laughs> That's our Colin. girl. That's our girl. That's our Haley. But um, there's really nothing that suggests that he was there in like any sort of official capacity. So intelligence has this briefing in a conference room. Now, listen, it's a conference room. So, like, you know, whatever people meet in conference rooms. But, like, this is new. <laughs> but, like, why not the bullpen? Like, at first, if we hadn't seen the bullpen at all in this episode, I'd been like, okay, I guess something happened with the bullpen set. Like, they couldn't film there. Okay, fine. But we saw the bullpen later on. Like, I don't get it. Since, since when have they had a conference room? When did this go in? Like, I have questions. It's just, it's a set we've never seen before, and I am intrigued. I was shook. Right, right. Shook. And, like, with new sets like that, because, okay, so we had a couple of moments in this episode where they were, like, around a table conferring. Is that an Eric LaSalle decision, or is that a writer's decision? What, to have them around the table? There were two, there were two scenes where they were around a table. Like, conferring. That's a great question. I just found it I don't interesting. Know. I, yeah, I found it really interesting because, like, the, I mean, obviously that one's the set we've never seen with the conference table. The second one, it's quite literally the entire cast. No, they're both the entire cast. Is Platt there in the first conference table? Oh, not Platt, not Platt, but still. Yeah. And so 
I just found that interesting. And so, um, you know, they're all like exchanging facts and everything, but I'm like, look at that team. That team looks so good. They're such a good team. I love that team. Like <laughs> can't really focus on anything else aside from, you know, the squad goals that are happening. Pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much. And so Voight points out, he's like, you know, this guy's a veteran cop. He's going to think like us and he's going to move like the, like us. This guy also has a storage unit where he holds his product. So Voight basically sends Jay and Adam to go look at it. Also, like, it's so good to have Jay back at full strength. Right. And to have him work with Ruzik in this episode. Nice change of pace. I liked it. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Hashtag blessed. And so Voight says, he's like, okay, I've seen enough based on the pictures from the unit. Like, snatch them up. But Jay warns against it because guess what? There's another cop involved. This guy's name is Jake Gibbs. He works in the drug vault. And so Voight is like, well, damn it. Now I have to tell Crawford. I find Crawford quite good for nothing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, just he's like an unnecessary step. Well, I guess, I mean, he's also an interim. So like, hmm, he's literally quite good for nothing. Is he an interim though? He's been around for like a minute now. No, because later on they say, you know, or the other guy says, he's like, oh, yeah, I wish I could remove that interim title of his or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you and the rest of us, dude. You and the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Paul Adelstein, I'm sure you are a wonderful man, just like I'm sure McKelty Williams is a wonderful man, but your character is a jerk. Your character is the worst. Mm-hmm. 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 So they follow Gibbs and Tyler, the two dirty cops. They follow them to one of their meetings where a third vehicle shows up and lo and behold... Of course, Darius Walker's here. Surprise, bitches. But actually, though, like, it's it's just, like, Darius is everywhere this season. Like, literally everywhere. Right, just when you think he's not going to show up, there he is. There he is, I know. I wonder if he was, like, peering through the window when the Burzicks were having that conversation about that baby. Like, he was just kind of like, I'm here. It's like, you can't, you <laughs> here's <too>. Darius. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So Voight goes to meet with him and he's apparently been in business with these guys for four years because like, of course, is there anybody Darius has not been in business with in Chicago at this point? Right. Like it literally wouldn't surprise me if he has ties to like the professional sports franchises, like literally anything. He's like, he's American Express on this show because he's everywhere you don't want him to be. Like, <laughs> it's true though. <laughs> I know. It's That's a, a great line. That's a, a great line. Terrible joke, but it also gets the point across. Terrible, but also great. But also, like, you get the point. He's quite literally everywhere. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, in my apartment right now, my blinds are partially up because I have a plant in, in the window, but I'm pretty sure Darius is probably out there, too. Like, probably. he's out, probably out on your balcony. Let's be real. He probably is. He's like, oh, hey, I have an in on that podcast. And we're like, no, no, you don't. Like, we came alone. back from the spoiler alert. <laughs> so, Darius is like, yeah, they have a boss bigger than you. And Voight's like, how cute, please. So, Voight tells him, like, I'm going to help you figure out who it is. And reluctantly, Darius is like, all right, fine. But the condition is that this has to be the last case that Darius ever works for CPD. Which, like, it is, but not necessarily according to his will. But we'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. So Darius confirms all the theories. Platt takes the drugs to the vault that needs to be thrown in the furnace. And if they're the same ones that end up in Darius's hands, then they know it's for real. This is the point of the case where I'm like, what the hell's happening? I, I, what? Right. This is like, yeah. 
So Voight checks in on Haley because, like, they made a point to emphasize at the beginning of this episode, like, you know, hey, remember Haley had the CIA camera and he was very brutally murdered right in front of Haley. Terrible. Terrible death. One of probably the most gruesome deaths on PD. Although I think the one in this episode might have surpassed that for number one, but we'll get there. Right. Um, but yeah, and so Voight just says, like, can you work with Darius? And Haley just says, last time I checked, this wasn't a democracy. Was that was that a little bit of passive aggression from our Lord and Savior, Haley Upton? Oh, definitely. Damn, girl. All right. All right. Hmm. So Haley meets Darius at a motel to get him set up with the tech. And she brings up Cameron, who he got killed. And, like, I mean, I, I think she's totally right to be, like, rubbing this in his face. He's a bad dude. And he gets away with it time and time again. Yeah. No, I agree with that part. So, I mean, later, I don't necessarily agree with, but no, but I think I think at a certain point, what his rep and like the bad things he does outweighs what he does for the community. And like, I know how Kevin had pointed that out in an earlier episode, like he does good things for the community. But I think that his I think all of the bad things he has done is starting to outweigh that. Right. And I think it almost the fact that he continues to show up as often as he has, like emphasizes that. Right. Like it'd be one thing if he showed up every now and then whatever, but he's literally showing up all the freaking time so clearly he's tied everywhere oh yeah and tied to bad things yeah exactly and so darius or no Haley says that to darius right the first line mm-hmm. yeah and so Haley just said oh should we act it out we should act it out let's act it out okay um you want to be Haley or you want to be darius that doesn't matter to me what do you want to be um i'll be Haley. okay okay you tell yourself whatever story you want to about the life you think you're living. Don't forget the truth. The truth is you're the kind of man that has people killed just because they saw your face. If you believe in luck, you believe the universe gives a damn about your face. There's not luck on the streets. Only choices. One after the next. Young Cameron, he made a bad choice. He wasn't unlucky. Only foolish. And, and scene. <laughs> Again, we're just having fun with this. Like, don't take us seriously when we act out these scenes. They're meant to be terrible. So, <laughs> intelligence goes with Darius to the bye. Tyler's there, but there's a third cop. There's a third cop. And I'm making a three into the microphone. Like, you guys can see me. You can't see me. <laughs> three. 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 We're both making threes. So, this cop's name is Mike Packer. And there is a little bit of hesitancy on the cop's part, but ultimately they give Darius exactly what he asked for. So three cops. Three. Uh, uh, uh. Just kidding. So Voight goes to the Comstat meeting, which we still don't know what that is, but whatever. Um, sits right next to Packer, totally in disbelief that this guy is dirty. Because according to Voight, Packer's a good cop. So, good cop. Good. Air quotes. I know. Air quotes. So... Packer, this is when Packer mentions, like, he'd do anything to get rid of the interim in Crawford's title, which, like, you know, hey, we're, you know, we, we're halfway through the season. A lot more can happen. Right. And so Voight brings in Crawford, um, who also is just pretty much in, in disbelief. And so they take this to the prosecutor. And the prosecutor just basically says what happens in the community is a bit more complicated. So she basically says, like, yes, you've got a case, but the condition is that you have to give me your CI. Yeah. Brian, will you take it from here? Yeah. So Void at first, like, is kind of hesitant to do that. Um, but basically, he does in the end because to him, 
getting the three guys, you know, taking them down is the greater good of the community than, you know, giving up Darius. So Voight goes to Darius, though, and tells him, like, straight up that he named him. And Darius is like, yeah, like, so I'm no longer anonymous and I'm not a free man. Like, you traded me for them. Were you surprised that Voight just straight up named him? Because that commercial break, I was like, oh, man, like, Haley's going to go behind her back, isn't she? Um, yeah, I was a little surprised. But, like, I guess the more that I think about it, like, like I said to Voight, it's literally like a trade. Like, the fact that he gets to take down three of them, like, that will do more harm to the community. Like, giving up Darius then isn't as bad. I was pretty surprised. Like, I don't want to say that was out of character for Hank because it wasn't, but it's not what I was expecting him to do. Yeah. But so Voight's like, yeah, maybe you should get out of town, lay low to the dust littles, you know. So Intelligence goes and tracks down Gibbs and Tyler and Packer. And, of course, they're ironically, in air quotes, in the same place that they set up the heroin exchange. And I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. And so they get there, there's a little bit of a shootout, and basically, though, Intelligence finds all three of those guys dead. Was that not the most, like, gruesome scene? It was bad. There's literally, it's like an empty warehouse or whatever, and there's, like, blood all over the floor. It's, it's pretty bad. It's like a horror movie meets a cop show. It's pretty bad. It was, yeah, it was gruesome. It was pretty bad. And so Voighton goes to Crawford. And they're talking, and Boyd's like, this is pretty much exactly why I didn't want to do this. Like, he's like, I didn't want to name Darius as my CI, because I know what he's capable of doing. And Crawford, being Crawford, of course, doesn't want to let the community in on, like, the behind the scenes of CPD. And so he decides he wants to spend this as Gibbs and Tyler and Packer being heroes. And I'm just like... What the fuck? <laughs> this is the exact way that he spun the Marcus West case. And, like, we right. all know how that ended. It almost ended with yeah. Jay giving his life. Well, I mean, and this ends not great either. No, so. but it, it also kind of loops into, like, the, big, the bigger theme that, like, something that we're seeing in the country these days is, like, the spread of misinformation and how dangerous it really is. Yeah. When I think, you know, too, and just, like, the mistrust of in, – organizations and government yeah like it's just it's bad it's bad and of course so Haley is pissed when she finds this out not only about that but also that like Darius is being cut loose too and it's like you know some cases are better left unsolved and she's like not this one I'm so I was so glad to see her go into Boyd's office all fired up like that because I mean you know there's a line right like you would never really go to your boss and be like, what the hell? But in this instance, she has every right because it's ridiculous that three cops are dead. Yes, they got themselves into a bad situation, but Darius is the one who's getting off scot-free and he's the one who ordered their murders. That's fair. And he's not, it's not the first time he's getting away with this too. Like quite literally, he's getting away with murder multiple times. And so I'm glad Haley was this fired up and she wasn't afraid to go to Hank and be like, listen, Right. It's what she did after, though, that I'm like, mm. But anyway. So, Voight meets with Darius, and he's like, oh, yeah, you're free. Like, you know, you're no longer tied to the CPD. But he does know. He was like, but I do want to know, though. Like, did you even have the guts to show up for the showdown? And basically, Darius says, he's like, you know, if you don't find a way to beat the house once in a while, like, you crap out. 
And Boyd just reminds him, he's like, you know, like, there's nothing really I can do for you anymore. Like, the partnership's over. You're no longer our protection. Like, this is it. See, at this point, I was like, all right, so if the back half of the season is all about Boyd going after Darius, I'm here for that. That sounds good. But then we see Haley is on her way out of the 21st when she asks um, Atwater about the guys that they found at the showdown. And, Boy- and Atwater's like, yeah, they were Southside Hustlers. And they're all from apparently around the same area. So Haley goes to that area and start- approaches this group of guys. And basically, it's like, I want to talk. And they're like, we don't want to talk to you. You're police, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, 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 no. You want to talk to me. And she's like, I think the guy that got your friend killed, like, you know, your friend's killed, like, I think he was working for us. And that's all we see. But then Haley leaves that conversation, and we find Jay. Thank God. Jay follows Haley to followed Haley to this place, and basically is like, e, "What are you doing?" I was so hoping. I was glad that when she walked up, he was like, or you know, she said she was like, "Are you following me?" I was so hoping for this to like exactly parallel that scene in the mid-season finale where she, she was like, "Yeah, well, that's what happens when you lie to your partner." I so wanted that to be the next line out of his mouth. I was like, "All right, it's not, but I'll take it." Yeah, and basically, she's like, "This doesn't concern you," and he, I mean, he tries to warn her. He's like, "This could destroy your whole career, or even worse." That means a lot coming from a Halstead. Right, and he even goes on to say, he's like, 20 different times you figured out a way to tell me don't get too close. He's like, I'm telling you, you're too close. But she just continues to think she's fine and refuses to listen to him. These two. So the next thing we see, we're back at the 21st. Platt comes and tells Voight he has a call. And then the next thing we see, Darius Walker is dead. With a bloody rat hanging over him. And an eight ball in his mouth. Right. Oh my god. What a moment. Yeah. Yeah. And like to see the bloody rat. Like I think the thing that got me more than even the eight ball was just like the bloody rat and just like the blood dripping slowly from the rat. It's chilling. That's a chilling image. Like, did you, I mean, I, I had a feeling that Darius dying was on the table, but I didn't think they would do it now. I didn't think it would be this early. Right. And I knew that whatever they were going to do to Darius, or whatever, like, Haley clearly was going to be involved in whatever, like, that action was. Like, mm-hmm. whatever we were going to see. Yeah. But, yeah, I didn't necessarily think Darius was going to die right away. Right. I feel like that's. I feel like that was like the biggest move they had. Like the the biggest move the writers had, and they already went for it. So I'm like, damn, where do we go from here? I have no clue. And so we see though, Voight looks at Haley with a curious face. Okay, I did have a question though. Where is this? Where was Darius's body? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. Because it's clearly wherever they found him, because the rat is still hanging there with the blood. Like the rat is still hanging there. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, they moved him to the morgue or something like that. I just was trying to figure it out. And I was like, where the hell was this? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, but I do fine. agree with what's in the, the outline that this might be the new most brutal death in PD history. Oh, yeah. I think this takes I, number one. Okay. Brutal death that's not like a main person. Death in general. Well, okay. So I'd say, though, like, is it more brutal than, like, Justin or Al? No. Justin and Al's were brutal emotionally. 
that's what I'm saying. Like, but I feel like you have to separate it, right? Like, I feel like you could say, like, as like someone who's like we actually got to know and care about, mm-hmm. it's not. But if you're talking about just like tactical, like, but something that's like kind of purely story, but still brutal, then it's goes to him. Does that make sense? Like the separation? I think so I mean, I yeah. So Justin and Al were emotionally just killer. I think dare like I think deaths in terms of like wow that's how they went like that's awful. I think Darius takes number one now, and I think he takes number one maybe from Nadia. Oh fuck, Nadia too. But Shit, Nadia's, we've lost too many. People. Nadia's was like, I mean, Nadia was bad. Nadia was really bad, and I mean, do we know for sure that she was sexually assaulted? I mean, I think so. It was an SVU death, right? We don't have to compare deaths, but they were both horrible. This one was like shocking. Although, if we want to get technical, Nadia didn't die on PD, so also true. We could say it happened on SVU, like, and leave it at that. Yeah, we could leave it at that. Be like, she doesn't count. She didn't die on PD. I mean, Kelton had a gun to the head. I mean, that's that's not a great way to go. No, no, Kelton's no, 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 no. Yeah, Kelton's wasn't like chilling. This was chilling. No, 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 no. Because whoever killed Darius, like went through the trouble of finding a rat and killing it and perfectly positioning it over Darius and putting an eight ball in his mouth. Right. I just, yeah. So anyway, Voight and Haley go and meet in some like abandoned bar and Voight just tells her, he's like, you know, you had to know, like you asked those questions in that neighborhood. Like you had to know that there was a good chance this was going to happen. And she's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I was just working a case investigating the murder of three police officers. Someone misinterpreted one of my statements. I can't really help that. And if it worked out to happen, that a bad thing happened to a bad person because of that, like, well, I learned from the best. Haley Ann, you have a dark side, Missy. And Boyd's like, you know what? When it keeps me up awake at night, like nothing, you know, he's like, I do what I do because I can. And he's like, Haley, like you do something like this. You don't turn that part off. It will eat you alive. And she's like, have a little face, Sarge. I'll get there. He's like, that's what I'm afraid of. End episode. I didn't know Haley had this in her. I have issues with this. Go on. I don't understand. I I don't agree with what... I mean, granted, we don't know. She may not actually technically kill Darius. Mm -mm. Regardless of that. Regardless of that. She's the first person in intelligence to actually really go and do something like this, though. Oh, I don't, I don't think she killed Darius. I, I don't think. No, but second okay, she did. but regardless of that, regardless of that, others have been tempted by like the bad side, and like, yeah, they've kind of fucked up a little bit, right? Like, you know, there's all the Ruzik stuff, and like everyone's kind of like fucked up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But this is different. Like, this is like a different level. Regardless of whether, I mean, I don't think she killed Darius, but, you know, like, going to this level to, like, your actions got someone killed. I I mean, you can argue that, though. Um, That's arguable, because what about Jay and Marcus West? You can argue that Jay putting him in jail got him killed. Right, but based on bad information. So you're, you're saying this, her actions got him killed based on the truth. Right, like, she knew what she was doing, like what Boyd said. But here's my point is like, how do you, regardless of all that, how do you support someone through this? Like, it's, I think it's different 
knowing the Voight situation because we've always known Voight to be a bad, like a not a dirty cop. I don't know what you call Voight, but like Voight has always been this Voight, right? Mm-hmm. Haley has not always been this Haley. No. So like I don't know. I just have. I feel like I'm gonna have a hard time like supporting her. And I guess it will depend on like what the truth is and like how it you know how they handle this whole situation from here. But I don't like this Haley like at all. I I mean I hear what you're saying and that's a completely fair point because she I mean she she did do something that led to Darius's death. But I think part of that maybe. It, it may come down to the fact that having Voight in her life and having Voight in their lives kind of not necessarily allows them to do these things, but it allows them to feel the way they feel about a certain case and get to a point where they want to act on it. And from there, it's a matter of them making the choice. And the example I come back to is Kevin when Jordan, when he was trying to decide if Jordan should snitch or not, and he basically had the suspect cornered. And Kevin had the gun. And Voight right. was like, listen, I'm standing right here. So, like, Voight supported him in getting to that point. But ultimately, the decision was up to him. So, I think that Haley got to that point, And I think, but she she also, I don't think Voight knew that she got to that point. And I think if he did, he might have done something to stop her. Right. But the difference in that situation is Voight supported Kevin and, like, was okay with what Kevin was going to do. Because he clearly agreed Voight doesn't agree with Haley what Haley did in this situation. And you just said that even if he Haley he knew that Haley had gotten to that point, probably would have done something to stop her. Yeah, and it, it goes back to the question that we asked Marina and LaRoyce at Con in 2018 about how Voight is so different with the different members of his team. Because he's very hands-on with Kevin and he's very hands-off with Burgess. And so I think it might even circle back to that. Like, why was he so supportive of Kevin doing that in that season and yet with Haley he's like you can't turn that part of you off like don't do that why was he encouraging Kevin to possibly kill that guy and not wanting Haley to do the same but that's what I'm saying is I feel like I don't know I don't know I don't know but like if I feel like if Voight is telling you like don't go about it this way don't go about it this way like don't go about it this way well, but like he I get tell, her. Yeah, he didn't tell her that until after the fact, though. Right. But I feel like he would have told her the same thing. And he told her, I'm trying to find exactly what he says, but, like, I mean, he tells her when she, like, comes in and is angry. He's like, you know, like, there's nothing we can really do about it. Uh, yeah, uh, I think it circles back to that question of, like, why why does he treat everybody so differently? And, like, why why was he okay with... Kevin possibly killing that guy. Why why was he why were he and Al okay with killing Pulpo and yet he didn't want Haley to go that far. Now granted okay the Pulpo thing might be different because he and Al are, you know, they're he and Al. Right. But Yeah, I mean maybe he maybe he reads the team and he just knows that for Haley there would be no coming back from that and but I mean I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I have a feeling like it's going to take me a little bit till it come back around on her. Because, like, this does not sit right with me. I, yeah, I, I get why I get that. And I support the reason, like, why she did it. Like, I understand, like, you know, her wanting to get vengeance for Cameron and that, like, Darius is a terrible person. I'm not saying that. I just, and again, we don't know what Haley did or did not do. 
I'm not saying she killed Darius, but you know what I'm saying. I just, this is the first time we've really seen anyone actually do something. That's true. On I, purpose. I, on purpose I think if it comes out that she actually killed Darius, which I don't think she did, if it comes out, then I'm, I would probably be like, okay, I, I'm with you. I don't know if I can support her. I don't think she did. I think she just gave the name. Yeah, but like, still. No, I get it. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't sit right with me. But then also, well, okay, no, I was gonna, I was gonna ask about Kelton and be like, why was, why did Hank insist on bringing Kate to justice, but he didn't? Jay did. Right. I will never understand how Hank Voigt's brain ticks. No, and I think, like I said, I think. You know, it could go back and be like, Haley even says, she's like, you know, like I learned from the best. I think I'm more okay with Voight because we've only known Voight to be like this. Mm-hmm. Like we're conditioned to know Voight like this. And I don't agree with Voight half the time anyway. So also keep in mind the story of how Haley became a cop because her father's restaurant was robbed. And so I get the feeling that like her entire life, she has seen bad guys do things and essentially win. And she's just fucking sick of it. Right. That doesn't also doesn't mean what she did is okay either. No, you're completely right. It's not, it's not necessarily okay. It's not. Right. Like I get that the system sucks sometimes. A lot of the times, (laughs) let's be real. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It's also kind of that tricky game or tricky game of like, how do you play the system? And like, when do you play the system? And when do you like go with it? And when do you like actually try to fight against it? And I'm not saying this isn't a time where she should have played the system or she should have just like gone along with it. But like, was she also right that didn't like fight against it? I don't know. Yeah. And also, I mean, don't forget the show shows us time and time again that there is no right or wrong way to play the system. Everybody's going to play it their way. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I can't believe Darius is dead. Yeah. I didn't think we were going to be done with Michael Beach so soon. No. I will say I did really like as much as it was kind of, you know, like we joke about like Darius popping up everywhere. Like I did really like having like a consistent villain quote unquote that we like constantly were going into it's, I think it was a really nice change of pace with like this being a procedural, like, and so the cases are changing every week to have some kind of consistency within them. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I was thinking about this the other day, cause you and I are both Michael beach fans. We both love him. Mm-hmm. There was something very charismatic about Darius Walker. Like you hated him, but also like you kind of like you having him around. Him. You love to hate him. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. There was something like really charismatic about him. So I'm just, I, I don't know. And I'm, I'm wondering if this last part of the season is going to be Haley going dark. Yeah. Also keep in mind that if on the off chance Haley did kill Darius, since Jay wanted to bring Kate to justice, if Jay finds out about that, he's going to have a really hard decision to make. Well, and I think it's, would bring up a couple interesting dynamics. I mean, first with them as like a partnership, like can he continue to be partners with someone he morally disagrees with? Yeah. I don't know. And then also the like love part of this, like Haley is in love with Jay and like, 
if Jay hates her guts by the end of this, like, how does that work? I don't I gonna, know. I was going to say, if Jay knows, if Jay knows that on the off chance she killed Darius, that, that, that switch is going to flip quickly. But the, does it only work, though, if she actually killed Darius? Like, if she if just she, said- Yeah, if she actually killed him. I think, I think if Jay finds out that she just gave the name, I think Jay's going to be like, okay, you know, like, you screwed up. But it's over. Because, I mean, I'm, don't forget I mean, that- I guess he did the same thing with Aaron, but, like, still. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I mean, it, it almost goes back to, like, when Kelton died, when, when Voight was like, I mean, listen, he was a bad guy. So. But so. I almost feel like, too, and this is, I mean, this is getting to a bunch of hypotheticals because we don't actually know the details. But I feel like if Jay is okay with Haley giving the name of Darius when he's fought against Voight and fought against all those other things for so long... And, like, Jay is definitely more of, like, the go-by-the-book guy. Isn't that a little hypocritical? Of Jay? Yes. So is it more hypocritical? Is it, is it hypocritical or bleh, hypocritical, hypocritical of Jay to be okay with Darius's death? Well, no. Like, is it okay for Jay? Like, if Jay's okay with the fact, like, you were saying, like, we'd only think Jay can be, like, would be mad at Haley and, like, kind of never forgive her. If she killed him herself. Yeah. yeah. But if he just gave her, if she just gave the name and had someone else kill him, then he's going to be fine with that. Like, isn't that a little hypocritical? Yeah, actually, it might be on second thought. I, yeah, wow. Like, because he's gone, like, all the things that he's gone against in the past. And, like, for him to be, like, okay with Haley giving the name, even if she didn't do it. But, like, she gave the name of the guy, or the guy, Darius's name to the guys. No, you're right, because and, then it becomes a question of, okay, well, what, if you weren't, if you weren't trying to accomplish him getting killed by giving the name, what were you trying to accomplish? So that's completely right. fair. And I think that's, a, that actually might be a really great question of, okay, well, how is Jay going to take this? Right. Yeah. Haley did a thing. Haley did a thing. Damn. Yeah. Any other notes on PD? No, but I am curious to see how this all goes. Big time. Yeah. Thanks. And as we said at the top of the episode, we did get the chance to chat with Chicago Med's Nick Gelfis. And so before we leave you today, we are going to leave you with that. Um, as always, special thanks to NBC for helping us put this together. Special thanks to Nick. We love him so much. He's the best. And so, yeah, without further ado, here you go. Hey, Nick, how are you? Well, um, you you got me at a really good point, um, all things Chicago Med, because we are, after I get done with you guys, I'm going to dinner with Dick Wolf and all the producers for Chicago Med and, and the rest of my cast to celebrate our 100th episode. Oh, so, that's so great. As you can imagine, yeah, we're all super excited and thrilled to have uh, have, have this milestone now um, under us. And so we, tomorrow we actually start filming the 100th episode. Um, and actually what's really great about this, uh, we have a, our a director, um, we lost an executive producer at the end of our fourth season due to a rare, we didn't lose him, um, sorry. <laughs> I understand how that language can be misleading. Uh, he had to leave the show because he um, 
he had a rare blood disease. So our executive producer, Michael Waxman, left the show at the end of our season four because of a rare blood disease. And he is now back to direct our 100th episode, which is, it will probably be really sentimental, um, but but really happy to have him back with us because he's the one that started with us and, and all the way through season four. So um, it, it, it's a really good time right now. Yeah, that's that so awesome. great. That's good to hear. So, well, first off, um, not only are you going to dinner tonight for the 100th episode, but happy belated birthday. Wasn't it last week? Mm, how do you know? The internet. <laughs> I guess social media, right? Uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, that's true. No, thank you. Um, it, it, was, uh, it was great. I actually, <laughs> I had about a week off surrounding my birthday, which never happens. It's, I, I mean, we will get like maybe three day weekends like a friday off or a monday they get into the weekend but i had so much time off more than i ever have and, and so my parents came into town and it was it was really uh it was a good time that's so great that's so good cool. yeah yeah so okay so we're just gonna yeah. jump right in and we're gonna hit you with the first question like we're, we're not pulling any punches so here we go so Obviously, in this first half of the season, Will has grown a lot, most of it coming after Natalie said to get out of his life. So it begs the question here, in your opinion, do Natalie and Will belong together? What do you think? Not right now. Um, And the only reason I say I'm so so specific with timing as, as right now, I think that they both could change um in this separation and become and, and be different people uh you know however in in whatever future we're talking about here if, if the show continues to move forward uh then 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 maybe 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 later but right now no they, they don't they don't seem to be um yeah so you still think though that there's like hope for them one day down the line at some point i do because there's so much rich history that they have and there's certainly an investment there um from both sides that it would be a shame well (laughs) it's a good question it's a good question uh i think i think there's hope for them at some point but i just don't think it's right now that's i guess uh, yeah that's what i would say um, I, I hate to say that nothing is ever possible really, uh, because everything's, it's, 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 everything's evolving constantly. Even this interview at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> so the mid season premiere obviously focused on Will working with the patient with an addiction to drugs. And it just so happens that she was played by Joel Carter. So we know that justice was short-lived and really didn't cross with Med that much, but was it weird for you to see Joelle playing anyone other than Laura, or did it just not really cross your mind? Yes, of course. Totally. Um, I got to say, she's she's amazing, and she did a fantastic job, and she's so emotionally available. So I was glad we got to see this side of her. Um, cause I don't think we got to see much of that injustice. And so I say that she's, I mean, she's just, it's, she's a dynamic actress, of course. And, uh, I, uh, it was sad that she had to die in that episode, or maybe she could have, uh, continued being an addict for us. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe she could have gotten clean and had a whole different, uh, 
different uh, arc, but I understand why Will had to lose that patient. Um, Cause now he's just got to, he, he has to, he has to be guilt ridden as, as Will uh, does best. And, and then makes uh, questionable decisions after that, but guilt yeah, yeah. You'll be asking about those. Yeah. yeah, and kind of going off of that, I mean, something we wanted to know was that so Will, because he's now taken on working at this safe injection site and like wanting to make that a thing, like he seems to be very over his head yet again. And so we're curious, like, do you think he's personally learned anything from what he went through last season with the whole Ray Burke situation or is he too overwhelmed by his guilt? Well, I think there's uh, apparently not. I guess is, is, is the straightforward answer. Um, although these are very different situations, but, right. um, you know, from the very beginning though, if we go back to the beginning, I, I don't know if you, you guys remember this. I'm sure you do. You're, you're big fans. And first off, thank you for, for supporting the show and the way you do and, and this podcast and all that. I, I, I appreciate your guys, you guys doing what you do for us and with us. Thanks. Um, Will was told by a doctor at one point, you know, the difference between God doctor and, and God, I'm, I may butcher this line. I'm trying to just remember God um, doesn't think he's a doctor or something. Um, and so basically saying, yo, get rid of your God's complex. You can't, you're not going to save everybody. Um, and, and so <laughs> here we are again, Will <laughs> is on this agenda of, trying to save addicts, not just, uh, not just a life of, of some illness that, that maybe like cancer, for, you know, for, for example, of what he, he, he actually had about of that and, and had a, a real personal connection because his, mo- his mother died of cancer. Um, but now he, he's so, he feels so guilty for having prescribed uh, how doctors uh, played a part in this, not, not with any ill intentions, um, of course, but still, there's this opportunity, whatever he does. The really interesting thing about it is he doesn't know why it got turned down at the hospital for the political reasons with Gwen's child. Right. 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 But he, he was sort of led to believe that it was moving forward. And there was this great moment where Gwen said, I don't want to, you, know, you know, get too ahead of myself, but I feel really good about this. So Will's probably before he made the decision to go to safe injection site, he's grappling with the, with the fact of why, why didn't this work at the hospital when everything was feeling so good? And anyways, he, uh, he still, I think, no, he hasn't learned his lesson. That's, that's it. <laughs> that <laughs> that a, seems to be the Halstead trademark. <laughs> yeah. He's got a big heart and you know, William, even just the name. And I don't know if this was, predetermined with when, when my character was created, but it, 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 part of his name means protector, like a protector. And so it plays perfectly into this, this profession that he's, that he has. And he feels like he wants to, he wanted to protect Natalie. He wants to protect, he wants to save lives. It's just, it's, it's really, it's, it's all, it's all in one. And, but this one is so, is so personal because he lost this patient and he felt like he could have, he felt like that, that shouldn't have happened. And maybe, maybe it, 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 it wouldn't have happened if Natalie hadn't at that moment separated this mother from her child. 
Um, I understand why Nick, uh, well, it's very, I should, I should be clear when I speak. Nick, actor Nick understands why Natalie had to do what she had to do. Will doesn't. Or, or didn't, didn't, wasn't in the headspace to, I don't think. And certainly just wish she probably would have uh, made him more aware of it before she decided to do it without checking in with him. Anyways, he's in a, he's in, he's, he's down a rabbit hole. And, um, and of course this is good drama and good conflict. You don't want to watch characters that have everything figured out and, and learn from their mistakes, I guess, and grow into positive human beings. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we do talk about that sometimes. We're like, why can't everybody be happy? And then we're like, because it would be boring. We know. So we get it. Yeah, we get it. Yeah. So, but I think, I think the writers, uh, writers are doing, will, will do a really good job for what's to come. I can, um, I, I'll tease just a little bit of they, this idea of, well, I should, I should really ask you what it is you know. I'm going to let you just continue and, uh, asking questions, and if you ask certain things, I'll, 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 uh, I'll work this answer into future questions. And if, we, and if you don't, I'll, come back, I'll circle back around to it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, okay. <laughs> going off of what you were saying, something that we did talk about in this week's episode, which was, you know, we attached this onto the end of this week's episode, but uh, we talked about Will's empathy and whether it's really a blessing or a curse for him. Which one do you think it is? I think it's both. As, 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 uh, as, 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 as I, yeah, I think it's both because you want that in a doctor. I don't think we've ever seen, I don't, Hey, has he ever, um, done such great damage that's irreparable? Um, we haven't seen that yet. So I don't, I wouldn't call it a curse, but I, I do think it's something that, that probably the curse in the sense of it haunts him, keeps him up. Um, yeah, a doctors, I mean, doctors are supposed to, I don't know if compartmentalize is the best word, but they're certainly supposed to separate their personal stuff while at work and then in an ideal world, practice self-care techniques when they get home or whatever. Uh, just like Dr. Charles reamed them out the last episode that aired. You guys saw the last, last week, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or we wouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> right yeah um i mean uh, dr charles in his, his infinite wisdom says very aptly you know i don't bring my personal stuff into work and from what we know about charles he's, he he is pretty good at that um so anyway yeah it, 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 it's both i think because that's just the gray area and, and, and what it is. Life isn't, isn't black and white. Uh, and, and so it's, it's, it's a bit of both. Because we wouldn't love Will Halstead if it wasn't for that in the first place, I would think. Right. And that's part of what we love about him. And then, yeah, and so you, I guess you can't, well, you can't fault him to a certain extent, but you can't totally write him off because it's partly what makes him such a good doctor. Yeah. 
Um, we've obviously read a bunch of interviews that come out about the show. And one of the things that Andy and Diane have said a lot recently is that they really wanted to see Will go on this, his own journey, like away from Natalie. And that self-reflection is a big part of that for him this time around. And I'm just curious, like, in what ways are you personally hoping to see Will grow in this back half of the season? Well, I first am thankful for, for that very thing as an, as an actor right now, because I, I, you know, Will and Natalie thing has been a, a long time coming or not coming to get to, to fruition. And if at this point they weren't meant to be, then I, then uh, they need to separate. <laughs> I think a lot of fans would probably, I know fans are still hoping man said as, as they so, so very well named us. Uh, I, I think that if they can't be together right now, then they do need to separate because they've been trying so hard. Uh, and it's just, it seems, it does seem like they, they need counseling. They need couples counseling. If they were going to do it, if they were going to get together, I would send them both to couples counseling, not with Dr. Charles because he's not allowed to do it. But, um, <laughs> anyways, I, I'm really thankful for this new, um, uh, this new direction and, and, and both of the characters I think will have chances to grow independently. And that, and that's why I think I, I said what I said for the, one of your questions about not right now. And so maybe they need to separate to be, to, to, to grow as individuals. And so they can better come together later. So I, I, that's why I say I'm hopeful. Maybe, maybe that can happen. Um, I certainly had relationships in my life speaking as Nick where, uh, you know, friendships where uh, we, we were even living in the same uh, apartment or whatever, and, and we needed to go our separate ways and our journeys and then come back together and, we're, and the relationship's stronger because of it. Um, so I don't look at it as a, as a horrible thing, but I do, I am thankful for it. And this particular storyline with the opioid um, crisis, it's just, it's extremely important. Um, it's urgent. And it's personal to me. Um, Nick, as Nick, I, I lost an uncle to um, to heroin, an overdose of heroin, and so I'm definitely, as an actor, bring a sensitivity to this and uh, and an energy that I hope uh, you know helps deepen deepen the storyline. But I, I I think that for Will, it seems to be a recurring theme uh, of this this savior. Um, complex that he has that he needs to save everybody and I think it's in the profession of doctors I think it's it's one that I I, I bet most doctors struggle with and certainly struggle with once they accept that it's not still struggle with it so I I, but I do think uh, Will 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 come out of this better Um, I don't think we're going to look at at Will Halstead (laughs) developing a drug problem, but, um, in a certain sense, he may be an addict of some sort to wanting to save people. He's addicted to saving lives to a certain extent. I think that's what, that's, that's certainly what I'm feeling as an actor looking at this and how I play it. And so while he's overcome it in other, uh, areas of the hospital, this is, this is outside of it, and um, and you know I, I think I think the writers are handling it really well, and 
they're going to have both worlds collide really well, the uh, safe injection site and med. Because you know, anytime we get a character outside the hospital on med, how do we bring them back? Because, of course, the show lives at the hospital. And the writers are, are, are hold on, let me see what I'm allowed to say real quick right here. Um, I do have some notes of what I'm not allowed to give away here. So I'm just referring <laughs> to them. Um, yes, I am allowed to say this. Great. I'm happy to be able to say this. <laughs> so as you continue, <laughs> and I don't know if this is going to be one of your questions, but this is the thing I was going to circle back around to, but it feels like a good time to bring it up. And uh, so as Will continues to ignore advice about volunteering his time at the safe injection site from Charles and uh, maybe, you know, the conversation he's having with himself, um, he, he becomes surprised to meet that one of the users is a doctor. And lo and behold, a doctor at Chicago Med. So worlds collide and it's uh and i just hand it to the to the writers for 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 motivating all of this these stories really well yeah um you actually beat us to our next question so that's funny <laughs> um but yeah, we did. We met Jesse Schramm's character. Oh, sorry, last sorry. Week. You're okay. You're fine. You're fine. So we met Jesse Schramm's character. We know she gave Will a fake name, but we know her name's going to be Hannah because, you know, internet. But uh, we met her in last week's episode. And so can you tease what's ahead for her and Will? Yeah, let me just see if I'm allowed. That's what I'm wondering if I'm allowed to do. <laughs> This is a first. I don't know um, if we've had an interview where somebody's had notes that say like specifically what we can't talk yeah. about. Well, I always ask because I just don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to ruin anything. And I, um, but at the same time, I want to make sure that you guys get what you need. Um, okay. So what I am allowed to say, first of all, how did you know it was that Hannah, how, how do you know this? Because people are, are, how does that, how is that information out there already? Oh, you can always blame Deadline. Deadline likes to spoil everything. Rap, but who gave it to Deadline is the thing. Uh, that we don't know. Interesting. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely confront the practicing doctor. Uh, we, we can, we can uh, I guess, are you going to put into this anyways that it's you know it to be hannah right i mean since you already know it, you're gonna include it correct yeah so this is at yeah. the end this is at the end of the the, the episode that re recaps last week's episodes and we're all through it we're just like hannah's here so it's cool <laughs> yeah. got it okay so you're good you're, so, okay here we go so we'll confront hannah um about her addiction uh in, in the future like Jess, jesse shram i will say is here for a little while and uh, but there's a really interesting twist to the confrontation. Okay. So uh, I will I will tease that, and and I think that's a, probably about as I think that's as much as I can give. Although what I want to give is so much juicier for you, but I just don't want to. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe you can surmise, but um, yeah, it's it's uh, huh. I wish I could have asked a specific question to to the uh, to the people. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but the th the fact is is that yes, this is the the Val. W her name was given at at the uh, 
in, injection site is Dr. Hannah Asher, and she's she's a gynecologist at Chicago Med, and they go head to head in a pretty pretty combative manner as far as trying to, and that's what's coming up this this next week. Actually, you'll see um, next episode of uh, these two basically. <laughs> Uh, my mouth almost got ahead of me. My mouth, or, or my mind almost allowed my mouth to do what I'm trying to withhold it to do. You ever have that feeling? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think we should leave it at that. But, but yes, next week we'll, we'll find out that, that uh, Val is a gynecologist there and they are a part of a case together. And you can imagine what, what, what can happen after that. And, um, Will's concerns that start to unravel and then what becomes of their dynamic by the end of the episode. So really juicy stuff coming up. And, and, and like I said, the, the motivation of getting us back to the hospital from the injection site and what becomes of the injection site in the future and all of this is, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm loving the storyline. Um, while at the same time realizing how important it is to be discussing this. So I think the writers are, are, are doing a fantastic job of taking such an important topic, keeping it entertaining, but also discreetly mixing in um, the gravity of what it is that, 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 that we're dealing with. And, and to go all the way back to have a doctor, I mean, that's, that is a wild journey to have a, uh, you know, Joel Carter's character come in and confront a doctor about about a pat so far in the past and have have a uh, a living breathing result of of what will prescribed and now will wasn't the only person that prescribed all that but he this thing it just it you know lose it would have been one thing if if he just saw her addicted and wasn't sure what was going to happen to her but when he loses her it's just it, it, it i guess it really had to happen to send him in this whole direction but um yeah, that's that. Kind of going off of all of that, what's it like been like working with Jesse? She's sweet, uh, just a doll. She's um, she's extremely professional, and she shows up ready to work and 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 enjoys talking about the the work. And you know, not not everybody likes to do that. And that's not always a negative thing if you don't, you know what I mean? But uh, I come right. from the theater where uh, I just, we did so much talking and rehearsing. Um, and I know that's, it, it, television is very different than, than theater. You certainly, it's like boot camp for an actor, television really. You don't have time to rehearse. First off, we don't get to rehearse. So I think my inclination is, is to, to talk about it with, with um, my partner in any given scene. Uh, is is because of that because I'm so used to, I was always used to to discussing it but she's a new character at the same time so as we're trying to figure her character out throughout all this storyline and you never know how long a character a new character is going to stick around and what chemistry is like between two actors and so if things are going really good, there, there may be a new storyline that, 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 that is born out of that, out of the dynamic between two actors. And so it's, it's always, 
fun, exciting time period when uh, a, a possible series, um, well, recurring role comes into play like this. And I think she's taken to it really well. And, and given the nature of the character is uh, really important for Will uh, in, in this time period of this separation from Natalie and uh, just a different side of Will that will come out and uh and and cha- and, and 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 he'll be challenged in 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 different ways by this person and that's that will be exciting to see how he comes up against all that yeah absolutely and so one more question and then we'll let you get to dinner uh but like you said you know you're going out tonight to celebrate the 100th episode and with med getting ready to hit 100 episodes this season it's only in a couple weeks if i remember correctly but what does it mean to you to be part of a show that's hitting that milestone i mean it it's an incredible feeling and you know especially in a time period where i mean i admit you know, saturated with television is one thing. We may even be oversaturated. Uh, so to to get to this point in a television show is a feat for any television show right now, let alone one that has 23 episodes per season. And so obviously we have a quicker time of getting to 100 episodes because of that. But at the same time, you know, it just doesn't happen as often or at well, maybe not as often as it used to, or it's just, it doesn't happen often at all. And so once again, this is, this is because of Dick Wolf and his, his loyalty to his, his craft and his audience. And, but it's a gift. It's a privilege. I can't help, but not think about, I can't help but think back of when I had no work and always this internal goal and ambition was to, be a consistently working actor. And so I got to say, I'm thrilled because it's happened. And um, sometimes when you get an opportunity as an actor, at least for me, you can, you can, you put your head down and just start working, working, working and barreling through. And I think a moment like this offers a, a, a time for reflection. And, and I'm certainly doing it because uh, this show has changed my life. And and allowed me to lay roots somewhere for a certain amount of time. I mean, I've been doing this longer than a college degree and with a great group of people uh, who we do call each other family and, and, and not, and not just in med and in, in PD and fire. And of course they've, they've had their hundredth uh, celebration of episodes and fire may, may go well beyond it. Um, it's continuing to go well beyond it, but Dick Wolf has created another a community here for us. Uh, actors are transplants, and we've all come from different areas to reside in Chicago. And what he's done, in a certain sense, has created this this family for us and this community um, because we have such crazy working hours. And and it's just it's it's really beautiful and amazing how we've all taken to one another and get along and enjoy being in each other's presence when we have a little bit of downtime. But uh, it's it's a real gift and a privilege and. Um, and, and also, I guess, uh, a confirmation that, you know, my work ethic and my drive has got me to this place. Um, on, on a, and also, uh, it makes me think about all the people that's helped me along the way, of course, teachers, parents, and mentors, and managers, and 
friends and and then I guess that trifecta of luck of that thing that you know whether it's timing or whatever I was born with and all of that all playing into one that, that sort of helps you get to these these moments and I I just I don't know how, how much longer these types of shows will be around given this digital world we're going into or we're into and then seems to be taking over. Um, uh, but, but I, I'm, I, this, this franchise is, uh, has, has changed my life and, and I'm, and it looks like it will continue to do so in the near future. We've been doing really well. So, uh, I'm happy to allow it to keep doing that, um, for however long is necessary. Love it. Love it. The shows are going to be around forever. Don't worry. It's going to be just like SVU. (laughs) So, yeah. Hey, it seems like it, right? I I mean, what he did was so smart with with making it it, just adding this competitive portion to this this new franchise. I mean, he's like, I've joked around and said he's the Dave Grohl of television. I mean, who, who gets one major franchise in their life, let alone two? And, but he knew what he was doing. He, he's, he stayed competitive by putting this twist of all these, this one universe into it. And now, and we've been on Wednesdays and one Chicago Wednesdays has sort of taken certainly this town by storm and, and, and all of our audience, uh, all of our fan and, and our demographic by storm. They, they love one Chicago Wednesdays is the setup binge uh, session for our audience. He, he also knew had a foresight of, of what was happening with, with everyone's ability to binge. But, but this one universe combined with that, he's just, Dick Wolf is, is very perceptive and his intuition is great on, on what is, what is working, what's not working and where we're all headed in this industry. So, um, God bless him. What's it like to talk to him? Like when you talk to him, are you just like in the presence of greatness or is he just totally relatable? Well, yes, you are in the presence of greatness, but he is relatable. Um, I mean, and, and, but, you know, the funny thing is, is I said, so uh, the last time we, we all had dinner, I said, so how are you, uh, how do you celebrate these sort of, these victories that you have for yourself? I mean, this is, this is amazing where we're all at. And he goes, oh, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of just keep working and uh, think about the next thing. And he just, he's a, he's a working machine. I think he just, from my perspective, creating must govern his happiness because I don't know how else you would continue, why you would continue to do all of this. I mean, he's, 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 he's got much more than even just the Chicago stuff and law and order SVU going right now. I mean, he's all over the place and yeah. good for him. He, he, and I think he was asked at one point, Dick, why are you still doing this? Uh, you, you've had all this success. Why, why, why you know, you, you have all the money or whatever. Guys, and, and Dick said, well, what else would I do? And he loves what he does. That's why I don't think it – he is a businessman, of course, and that's, that's just – that's important. You have to be if you're in his position. But, yeah, he, he wouldn't need to continue doing it if he didn't love it. So you can tell. And, and, and he is – he just he, – he's, and he's, the best thing about him is that he does stay extremely present. He doesn't promise anything. Uh, he, he stays sort of really humble, I guess, around the idea of, hey, we made it this far. Congratulations. Uh, you, you know, who knows how much longer we'll be able to do this. I'm hoping for this long. I hope you all are able to have children on this show, children on this show, and then send them off to college. Um, 
all we have to do is, is, and his famous quote, I don't know if you're able to air this because there's a, um, a curse word in it. We but curse he says, all the time. It's okay. It you do? No, all oh, the time. Okay. All the time. So he says that, okay, well then I'll say it. He says, don't fuck it up. That's basically how we leave every dinner and every, uh, every, every moment <laughs> that we have with him when we're talking about the, the future of the show. But what, what has started to happen, which is really great, because it's true with these shows, you guys haven't fucked it up. So don't, so continue what you're doing and so you don't fuck it up. I mean, so that's, that's where we're at because we've made television history with these shows. We weren't sure if this was all going to take. And here we are. And, and when it did take, it's like, oh, wow. Okay, great. They're, they're, it, it's working. And now here we are, all three shows uh, have, have 100, 100, 100, 100, 100 plus episodes. This is this is remarkable. I mean, it's uh, it's just, it's yeah, it's it's a, an incredible feeling to be a part of it. It's pretty great, yeah. And I mean, let's be real—he's the reason that the three of us are talking right now, so it's perfect. Yeah, I mean, yes, right. And it, it's it's been well documented and talked about that Dick Wolf has has um, given work to so many actors throughout all his projects, right? But then beyond the actors. It, it, it is. It's, it's the it's the publicity on the side. It's it's um, how do you guys categorize yourselves? I guess would you say uh, a podcast? <laughs> well, what do yeah, you, yeah. Podcast, what do you mean? But uh, yeah, yeah. I, guess, I guess in the realm of like what's above podcast? What's the umbrella that a podcast would fall under? Is what I was looking for. But like like uh, is that? Um, I mean, I, I guess it's 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 uh, media content. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'd fall under media. So, 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 of course, it's the actors that are, are, that are getting work, but then all these crew members that get to work and people from their areas in which the shows take place, and that branches out to people that can, you know, like you, that can create this podcast and talk about this and, and give fans an opportunity to dig deeper uh, into these storylines and, and foster a lot of conversation, which is what we hope the shows do. I mean, it's yes, we entertain first, but... What I really love about being a part of this show is that there's a, you, can, you can sit down to be entertained but get up educated. And this, this formula of ripped from the headlines allows us to continue talking about rele- relevant issues, controversial issues at times, and, and, and perhaps showcase the story in a different way to gain some new insight. Um, but, but at the end of the day, just keep it all really um, uh, present in, 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 in people's minds. And, uh, and so, I, I, once again, thank you for what you're doing. But you're part of, yeah, Dick Wolf has basically provided you guys jobs in a certain <laughs> sense, right? I mean, this, yeah, I always tell people this is the job I like doing. So, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Oh, well, that's, what a beautiful thing to be able to say. Right, right. So, yeah. But, yeah, um, we will well, let you right, get... Right, right. Right. What'd you say? Sorry, no, I, I, I was just back at... Yeah, I, I, I'm sure this isn't your, your full-time job, and it doesn't, it doesn't uh, pay all the bills, but... Um, <laughs> yes, yes, I understand what you're saying. And, 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 and uh, yeah, thank you, for, thank you for asking me to be a part of this. I'm, I'm really happy to discuss this on a deeper level when I can, because uh, I'm so thankful for it. 
Yeah, I mean, we we love we love to do it. And so, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, yeah, thanks, you know, Nick. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your support of the podcast. I mean, we we love it so much. We're never going anywhere. Everybody's stuck with us. But uh, and thank you for working so hard to bring us Will sure. every week. Like we we definitely appreciate that. And so, um, have fun at your dinner. Tell everybody the girls from the podcast said hello. Um, <laughs> I will. Thank you, Nick. Thanks, okay. Nick. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Thank you. Uh, have a good night. There you have it. We had such a good time with Nick. It's always so great to talk to him. We love him so much. He's just, he's our favorite redhead. I mean, the best. The best. The best. So, as always, Shyhards, you know where to find us Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's Meet Us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. It's meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. Guys, if you like the show, which we really hope you do because you've made it all the way to the end of this episode, please, 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 if you could please take the moment to leave us a rating and review on iTunes, we would so greatly appreciate that, especially with Peacock coming in and all of the new shyhards that are coming our way. It would help everybody find the show, which helps us like grow this family and grow this community. And frankly, I mean, the more the merrier, right? So, um. Yes. Yeah, so uh, we were planning to take this week off, but obviously that didn't happen. But um, you will hear from us again next week. We may have a surprise or two in store. I don't know. But otherwise, that is about all we've got. So everybody have a good week. Have a good weekend. And we will see you next month. Bye.